was uh <laughs> <laughs> y'all know the best vibrants happen on a full moon and this is a full moon it's also the 13th so it's like double oh, wacky goodness goodness all right, all right, all right. We got a lot to do tonight, so I'm just going to go around, make sure we got everybody reduced. We got Gabriel on deck, as always, Slick Dissonant. Joining us again, Thomas, Paranoid American. Super stoked to have you around again, brother. Thank you for the comic books that you mailed to me. Forgot to grab those so I could show them off on screen, but they're by my nightstand where they've been carefully looked over. <laughs> awesome <laughs> shit. Uh, homie Romy from Rising from the Ashes podcast, one half of that dynamic duo with Danunaki Dan. Romy's bringing the goods tonight on some esoteric Florida and related occult information. And of course, rabbit hole master himself, Juan Ayala, the one-on-one podcast. We got a full house. This is going to be good. What and, the uh, fuck you know, is up? Let people know where to find the stream tonight. You know, if you know people that normally you see in the YouTube chat, I'm on strike right now. Like I'm not oh. on strike as in I'm refusing to YouTube. I'm not allowed to. I, I uh, angered somebody over there. <laughs> Got like the old hands in a week. All the cult of the medics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Con- connected the whole medical mafia system to the actual criminal underworld and the deep church and all that. That would know? never happen. That's so fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, tell us, give you such an idea. What is it? What is it? What well, would you, bro? They have your best interest in, at heart at the hospital. What are you talking about? Church, too. 100% it's the interdimensional lizards like I, I always go back to always saying that something I can't explain they're interdimensional let me take a picture real quick for the social so I can post a link so if I can't explain it it's interdimensional and if I can't explain it they're lizards so that's my answer to everything <laughs> yeah that is true it's just like a little logic funnel, but at the very base of the funnel, it's just a lizard. It's just a fucking lizard, a salamander or something, bro. They're deep underground military lizards. There you go. It's I share food, it to my food people. Pyramid, but Juan's food pyramid is uh, the, the capstone is, is lizards. And he's just, but it's a reverse pyramid funnel. And it all goes, uh, okay, I'm shutting up now. Uh, the, this is uh this is going to be sweet because last time we did this uh we were all like chatting for a while in the group chat you know for like a, a while to come before we before we went on it and this time we haven't talked in fucking months about any of this shit and we've all just been I mean I assume we've all been doing just r- the random fucking research um given the topics that we discussed and I'm I'm really excited because Nobody knows what any of us have been working on. <laughs> so it's going to be. Uh, I like to keep it that way, though, man. I like to keep it that way because I want. I want the raw reaction live. You know what I mean? I share it a little bit too much with Gabe and he like flipped out and was like, dude, what's going on, man? You know how Maybe we should like preview this whole thing by just playing <laughs> that voice message from Gabriel. You forwarded it to me. <laughs> Yeah, I think you should play excitement. It's it's like right after I heard even a hint of what's coming tonight. (laughs) Very exciting. Yeah, let's can can we play it? That'd be fun. I think it's all connected, bro, at the end of the day. And I mean yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into it. But yeah, play that clip and then I have some other stuff I want to share as well. I've I've 
I've worked my ranks of the Florida man. I think I am on the, I don't know how many degrees there are to the Florida man, but I I'm pretty up there now because I have, I had something happen to me and it was like a Florida man, a Florida man type of thing. And I want to talk about that later. So we'll, 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 we'll talk about it in a little bit once we get further into this episode. Many, I, we got several Florida mans here though. And I'm just the one. Well, we got Thomas Juan, but we have also yeah. two and a, and a third. Well, almost. So, yeah, Romy's almost a Florida man. He, say, he said he's going to be a Florida man in December. So we'll see about that. And I've got almost yes. thirty years in Stout. Florida. I think I'm. I'm think I'm around like twenty eight years in Florida. If I add them all up. What were you at before? Yeah, I think that that trumps on uh, trumps on our boy Juan. What yeah. was I? What was I at before? Thirty seven years, and before that, I was at thirty six, and then thirty five. No, no, but where were you before Florida? I'm not even 30 years old, so he fucking he beats uh, me. Uh, Louisiana, Texas, California, New York. I think I think that's it. I think it's all the places that I live. All right, we're going to now hear Gabriel's authentic joy <laughs> in witnessing. <laughs> I don't know if we played the whole three mi- three minutes, but just the beginning at least. The beginning is funny. We, <laughs> all right, we, we got nothing. It's not coming through. Oh shit! Okay, sorry. I'm only the I'm only the one enjoying that one. <laughs> oh god! It's like by himself, just okay. listening to it. Gabriel's the I'm most going quality into this one of anything exciting ever. He's the guy you want to show exciting stuff to. One, <laughs> just blew my fucking mind, bro. Oh my god, you just blew my fucking mind. I gotta go clean up all the brains. <laughs> what the fuck? You're an amazing individual, my friend. You Alright, that's good enough. Oh. <laughs> it just goes on like that, just ridiculous excitement. We don't want to spoil anything though, no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. So I don't know where you guys so for those that haven't listened, I think it was episode what, 85 on my show. We got into a little bit of Florida. We talked about all the Henry's. It's kind of weird. And we got into alchemical ciphers, maybe perhaps a, a map of some sorts, which I have an idea of what it could have been pointing at that Gabe brought up. And we got into uh Psych, what was this? What's the name of it, Romy? Psychomantiums? Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah. Psychomantiums. Because um, just so happens there's this, you know, rise of spiritualism that was uh, upon us in America during the time of the discovery of Florida. And not only that, but uh, Henry Flagler's wife, you know, Henry Flagler, the business partner of John D. Rockefeller, <laughs> uh, was... Um, one of the richest men in the world. And he was married to some very, you know, famous New York spiritualist movements. So they were practicing, you know, occult seances um, in these hotels that he was building all up and down the coast of Western Florida, connecting the trains all the way, all the way later in his life to Panama Canal and, you know, <laughs> everywhere. So um, his homage and worship to the Spanish conquistadors was just basically a continuation of the New Atlantean Foundation that was written by Francis Bacon and all that shit. And yeah, psychomantiums, which fucking thus broke my fucking cosmic understanding of this whole <laughs> mere Fruit Loop situation of the reflective on the reflective reality. Oh, goodness. But yeah, that that episode so, cracked up a lot for me, dude. 
Yeah, we, we had a lot of really great feedback because we got into the whole alchemical cycle, alchemical cipher mirror magic, perhaps, and all these other things that that tap into what we're going to be talking about. And then it led us to Jekyll Island and we have the keys and we have a bunch of different things. And it, it you know, it doesn't just connect to Florida. I think Florida is it, it, just the beginning. And I'm sure that there's a bunch of other places that are connected. Obviously, California is connected here. And before we begin, I'm going to probably be referencing. So I came across this article from 1993 written by a Stephen J. Whitfield, and it's called Florida's Fudged Identity. And I, I read it and it's part of like this pamphlet, I guess, of some other stuff. He is a, he was or is, I don't know if he's still alive. This is 1994. He was a professor of American studies at the Brendes University in Massachusetts. And he wrote, it's almost like a hit piece, but he uses a lot of very extravagant writing like language. And it, it really caught my eye when I first started reading it. And he references, here you go, Florida might well be such a rarity because it has claimed to be a kind of hologram of paradise, a place where the most ancient Edenic memories of the race are somehow reinvented in the form of contemporary fantasies. And I'm like, whoa, that's that's really it's really elegant. I like the way he put that there. And he's Florida that is therefore a state of mind as much as is a state of being. So he's hinting at the fact that the history of Florida has been, I guess, made up for the most part and how it was one of the last states to become a state. It was at first it was the poorest state. It was the last frontier. It was only the panhandle that was that was populated. And then with the Henry's Henry Flagler, Henry Plant, Henry Sanford, all these guys, they started to penetrate, right? Penetrate the last frontier and go down into the last bit of of what we now know Florida to be. And the tip, the the, just the tip. So we got to keep in mind that with this. With this push to establish Florida as that last frontier, a lot of lives were lost. A lot of the indigenous people, they were eradicated a hundred percent. And I looked into a little bit of the history of the, the indigenous people that were here. Some, some accounts 12,000 years before the, 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 uh, you know, the, the indigenous people were here 12,000 years before anybody was even here. Okay, Mm -hmm. and we have the Timakua, which we can get into that later, which they were very interesting. And I was reading some about some of their their ritual practices and beliefs. And then the ones that really stood out to me was the South Florida people, because, again, this idea of mirrors, mirror magic. uh, You did a great episode with I forgot his name. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot his name with Rachel and, and Mario Gordy. Gordy. And that was a, the, the mirror magic episode mm-hmm. that you did with them. That was fucking amazing. I loved it because we talk about the Aztec uh, mirror, John D, you know, the, the, the magician or whoever he supposedly his mirror was of Aztec origins and the Tequesta people, which were the indigenous people of the keys. I found some weird kind of skull and bones esh. Mm-hmm. A connection there with them, right? Because they worshipped a stuffed deer. Okay, when the Spaniards came, they said that they were worshiping a stuffed deer of some sort. So that, I go, is that 
Seronos? Is that Pan? Is that some sort of horned god of fertility? You know what I mean? Like a, a stuffed deer. But mind you, whatever the Spanish wrote about the indigenous people, most of it was propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the shit that they were using was so that they could justify being where they were at. So you got to take everything with a grain of salt. So whenever they were reporting that, they go, hey, we got to push our religion on these people. You know, these people are worshiping a stuffed deer. There was another account of they were worshiping a deformed barracuda with a harpoon through it, which I found very interesting as well. They had a God of the graveyard. And I know on our last episode, we referenced the death card where what's he cutting? Is he cutting, you know, the, the heads of, I don't know, somebody, right. And these people of the South Florida of the keys, the indigenous people, they believed that humans had three souls. And this is where it gets interesting because they believed that the human, that humans had one in the eyes, one in the shadow and one in the reflection. So here we have this mirror magic type of thing, right? Where uh, me and Thomas did this, this talk on Benjamin Paul blood, which kind of connected to this, where he talked about being blasted out of his mind on nitrous and saying, Looking in the mirror and, and, and asking himself, is that another reality? Is, am I looking at a, at another person? Is that another entity? Is that me? Is that the same? Is it the same reality? We don't know because I mean, it's just a reflection. So they practice human sacrifice and the skull and bones connection that I found is, uh, along with a, with a bunch of other stuff that I was looking into was that they would take the bones of the deceased and they, the little bones they would bury, but then the bigger bones they would give to the family of the deceased. So almost to pass along maybe some sort of energy, some sort of power, something. And we know that these occult groups, they like to either have the skull or the bones. So again, they are taking these ideas. I also looked into the origins of the different names of the counties in Florida. And I, I ran across another Henry, Henry Clay, a, a Clay County. So again, a bunch of Henry's, a bunch of weird shit, and it connects to California, which I can get into. And I'm going to be referencing some of this stuff. So another quote, Florida should make an especially promising subject because of its mythic status tapping into the nation's definition of itself. It's a it's saga appears to be more than a combination of geographic constraints and political boundaries and economic developments and demographic patterns. Its history also incorporates mystique, which no state in the union needs, but which few states have ne- nevertheless transmitted. So this guy is talking some stuff and it goes it goes deep, guys. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you guys uh, digest what I just said. But that's a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today. Just connecting the dots as best we can. I gotta, I gotta throw out one thing before I forget, because I know we're gonna go into a million tangents, and it's, and it's fresh on my mind since you brought up deer worship was the first thing you brought up, Juan, and then you also mentioned skull and bones, and I'm not sure if you're aware that there's a place called Deer Island that I believe it's like somewhere off the coast of New York, and it's fully owned by the Russell Trust, which is the guy that sort of established the skull and bones. It's, it is an island fully owned by skull and bones, and it's kind of like a like a secret getaway when they want to get away from Yale, they can go to this and who knows? I've, I've read all kinds of interesting rumors on what happens at deer Island, but it's even more mysterious than what happens in the tomb at Yale. What the fuck? Wow. And 
Skull and Bones is connected to the particular figures of Florida that helped found well, Florida. Well, let me let me drop this really quick because I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, and I, I had to look it up uh, before this call. But I remember reading this a while ago, and there's a there's a tiny little um, area in Marion County, I think, and it's it's a city called Jupiter, Florida, but it's really like Jupiter Island. It's like a single island. And I think there's less than a thousand people that live there. And of the people that live there is uh, Prescott Bush was one of the first inhabitants. Um, George H.W. Bush lived there. Uh, the, uh, the Harriman brothers live there. The Lovett brothers live there. Uh, it has like the, the highest, you know, uh, like high ranking government official per capita in the entire state of Florida. And I, and I remember like the, the most um, out there conspiracy theory at the time was that as you entered uh, Jupiter, they had these like tracking devices under the bridges, early 2000s before everyone's car had it already. And so mm. the second that anyone started driving onto Jupiter Island, like they had a, you know, a signature of your car, like they were on you. They, ha- they were like automatically reading a license plate. That's so obvious now because, you know, every single cop car is automatically reading mm-hmm. license plates. But at the time, this was like, you know, high tech stuff. And you had all these people from the Pentagon essentially all going and and moving to Jupiter or or having some kind of situation in Jupiter. And I I don't know much beyond that, but I always thought that was fascinating. If you're talking about Skull and Bones and you've got two of the original OG, you know, Bones Brothers there, uh, that's just that just throws a little bit more fuel (laughs) to your fire. Right. Well, let's talk talk to our cosmogenic boys up here. What's the symbology with, uh, you know, the planet Jupiter and, Mm -hmm. you know, what what he might be talking about this heightened uh, technology here and this heightened secrecy in this place of uh, Florida. Dude, and NASA. NASA's fucking here, bro. Out on all of their like, you know, controlled media outlets, how they got this picture of Jupiter up close. And look, it looks just like a pepperoni pizza. (laughs) <laughs> and I wanted to and point out, I didn't even know they're trolling us because they put There's out so many awesome pages the moon of Jupiter that looks that was literally a picture of a pancake. Like uh, <laughs> I, I can't find it on the Googles anymore, <laughs> but it looked exactly like a pancake that they just had on a black backdrop. And the same thing, they're like, here's an updated picture of Mars and looks like a fucking pepperoni. Like they just took a picture of a pepperoni. So I don't know <laughs> if we're getting this from Pizza Gate. What the fuck? <laughs> cold, cold mockery here. But also, I wanted to throw down on the um, the stu- stuffed deer. <laughs> yes, it is okay. a buck moon tonight. On and I forgot, moon. I didn't even notice I had a fucking deer on my hat, bro. I'm like, you wait, do. And then, yeah. so I lately, I just can't think of any words without putting them forwards and backwards. I'm turning into Gabriel over here. But deer oh, yeah. backwards is reed, and Florida is full of reeds. That's a type of mm-hmm. grass that grows in the marshlands really easily. The symbolism behind the reed is deep. Mm-hmm. It's deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has and we have like the, the basket that the Messiah is carried in in many different mythologies from Moses to Horus and, and on. And then like, um, <laughs> obviously the priest class, they were the ones who could read. And then the, the castrated priests would use a hollowed out reed as a replacement dong. <laughs> so yeah, there's Wait, a lot what? to it. Uh, was it. Yeah. Another name for Quetzalcoatl also one reed. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And then uh, the word for read or papyrus in Hebrew is phonetically pretty much the same as the word that means like consent or or to be willing. So, I mean, what is this? This like a cult class, these skull and boners that they're always farming consent. I don't know. That's what I got. 
I, I, I think I'm seeing a lot of synchronicities. So the area that uh, of interest that I, I went down um, led me to Cuba after our last episode. Um, Henry Flagler was incredibly interested in Cuba, as was, you know, almost every military <laughs> uh, uh, out there, you know, and, and Cuba was a claim to be if not the first, one of the first places discovered by Columbus, you know, and, and the Spanish conquistadors. And so there was this, there's this connection between St. Augustine and Cuba and St. Augustine being the first city founded by the Spanish um, in the very early uh, 1500s. So just directly after Cuba, Cuba was, you know, it's, on the exoteric level said it was discovered in 1492. So that is the year, right? That's the classic year that Columbus. Well, I know that, I don't know when Juan was waiting to drop what also is significant about this day uh, and synchronistic about this day that we happen to choose. Uh, do you want to? I blew it that? open uh, like two weeks ago, bro. I'm sorry. It's, it's John <laughs> Dean's birthday today. And like, he is a heightened character of this area not rockefeller like the john d <laughs> john d's birthday today and 007 motherfucking 007 welcome to the seventh month yo you it, it, and you have so much correlations especially with the cern thing i mean like looking at the cern logo it looks like a swirling 69 or a swirling like cancer symbol you know and they happen to to drop all this stuff and the other thing i noticed that they dropped in 2022 was on april 22nd 2022 and that's like four two 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 um it's it's nuts but Anyways, what, what, what I was getting at with, with Cuba and what we're talking about with skull and bones and deers is I then got sucked into the voodoo rabbit hole or the vodun rabbit hole or the hoodoo rabbit hole, the real original black magic. Okay. And so I'm trying to find these correlations between the uprise of the Protestant Reformation and the Renaissance period and the syncretic, you know, uh, overlays that happen with these white pieces of goddamn garbage that want to keep everything on an esoteric, secretic level. Everything's so secret. Well, you know, you look at the practices of the seven sacred magic magics of the Renaissance period, necromancy, hydromancy, geomancy, pyromancy, scapulomancy, palmistry, and a lot of these things actually correlate to the Vodun or these, you know, shamanistic practices or Eastern mysticism. And so what is one of the uh, um, names of the of the culture of these of the African people is Fawn, F-O-N. And fawn is another name for a deer. And then, you know, you have this heightened worship of bones as well. And especially in ancient Renaissance alchemy and, and you know, Gothic period, bones are, have always been sacred. That's only new that it, it bones gross people out, in all honesty. Bones have always been held at a heightened sacred uh, meaning. And it's symbolic in so many things. And so when I started to look into the voodoo, um, which I'm just, I'm saying voodoo because it's just the easiest way I've, I've been, I was, you know, brought into that, but at the, the Africa, just a little history. And I'm not an expert, you know, cause there's so much to research here, but it is completely fascinating. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons why Africa has been given so much shit. I think that before the conquistadors came over to the Americas, to the new world, they had 
ripped apart Egypt. They had ripped apart the Eastern and then they ripped apart Africa and their spiritual practices. And so what they do is they yes. rip it apart, they steal it, and then they hijack it. And so I think Romy, what they do, what they're, this is like the most disgusting behavior of any empire that I've ever witnessed for sure is what the Spaniards were doing is under like Queen Isabella, Isabella, Isis and bell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or bail. Anyway, uh, their, their whole game was to, they wouldn't even let people of letters and learned of any learning come to the new world until they had finished totally stomping out the cultures here. Except for Jesuits, of course, because and the same thing, I think, is what's going on in Africa and Egypt is that they wanted to make sure that nobody could catch on that their entire thing with their mm-hmm. holy Catholic empire was ripped off from the from something older from the Asian from the East. But also that that exact same tradition existed here in the new world already. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that's the exact same, but like an offshoot, you know, it evolved over time, but it's like a similar origin point. Yeah. And I, and, and so that's what I, I had this revelation the other day of, you know, of this concept of black magic, right? Black magic. And you look at people, uh, you know, actual black folk who research their, you know, their heritage and their, their history. And they call this black magic. This is black magic. It is, it's, it's magic from black people, you know, like straight up. And then so it's been twisted and contorted for our. And it's Kemetan and it's it's Indian. And India was Ethiopia, which means black. Kemet means black, you know. And it, Osiris was black, like so many of the main gods of these older traditions were actually. I mean, if you, if you want to take black. it all Krishna the way back. means black. Well, even like the, the uh, essentially the original. um conveyors of like the Kabbalah and the Torah, we're talking about people that came from like Africa. It was essentially like, you know, the, the one main tribe of the 12 was essentially black people and the other tribes, you know, kind of put, butted out the, the main tribe over time. And now you look back and you read it through the, the Bible, you know, they're all portrayed as kind of having like olive skin, but really it was a wide variety of, you know, many different shades. It wasn't, everyone was just like an olive looking, you know, Shepardic Jew or something. Right. Even the word Africa, uh, it is uh, deeply related to the word apricot in that uh, it means sunny. And it is uh, the apricot is like a little drop of sunshine. And Africa, the continent, is a very sunny location. Uh, So they do have that. And it probably hints at the uh, gold as well, uh, that there were probably very rich uh, kingdoms that were uh, quite gifted in gold. You can also bring up the Florida state seal where the sun is always rising or setting. And also it's the sunshine state. Mm. So it also plays a role into it. Th- that's kind of what I was alluding to is like there. And then you have these ties of the Vodun, right? The original like actual practices of voodoo that was Voodoo was basically what got converted after the slave trade over to the islands from the discovery of the new world. Voodoo was a syncretic religion with Catholicism and the original Vodun. So voodoo or hoodoo uh, is a syncretic um, 
basically forced. It was a forced syncretic because they were, they were ripped away from their homeland. And, but they found correlations. They found correlations between Catholicism and their own. And so they, they were able to kind of contort that into what we consider, uh, you know, well, what we consider voodoo now it would actually probably be more like Louisiana, uh, voodoo. <clears throat> but, um, there's, there's, there's many variations of it because it's actually a very, um, per, almost, almost, it's a small community practice as opposed to like a huge global practice. They, they, it would be different in Haiti. There's Haitian voodoo. There's Cuban voodoo. There's, there, it's different everywhere you go. And that's the beauty of it. There's the beauty within these orally traded, um, practices as opposed to these written down religions that lose their gumph after being written down because you write it down and then you give it its limitations. You write it down, you put these walls and these barriers up, but the oral tradition, the, the resonance, the sound of the magic of the spirit coming through and vibrating and creating the actual spiritual energy through the resonance of the human body, of the body, the celestial body and everything within that. And then that's how you create the real goodness. And that's why writing in this way is a convoluted type of suppression in a sense, because you write it down. Therefore, it's fact. It's been written. Here you go. Here we go. Overcompartmentalized situation. Oh, if it's not read, it's not fucking right. You know, but but the, the thing is, if it's you don't hear it, it's not fucking right. If you don't told from it, from your master, from someone that you love and respect, who has so much, you know, the, the seer in, in the, in the group, you know, and anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting, but there's so much connections between the original, um, you know, uh, shamanistic values of, you know, Eastern mysticism in Africa and ancient Egypt and all these things into what we consider Western esotericism. And, you know, you have to value both, I guess, right? You have to at least understand both or try to understand both because it's such a fucking thick pot of crazy stew. Thick. Yeah, dude, but what you're saying about this, so I see it two different ways. You have the idea of it being passed orally. You have rhetoric. You have, again, the art of memory. You have all these different techniques which also has has its own purpose but at the same time you're talking about when you speak this magic right orally and it vibrates and and it's said a certain way uh it reminds me a lot i mean where it's john d's birthday of enochian magic which he never called it enochian but one of the main things is you need to establish a monotone and maintain that tone throughout the entire thing. Certain letters are said certain ways in order to invoke certain things. Now, the other aspect of writing it down, the whole thing with Latin, Hebrew and all these other languages, which ties into Enochian was that the actual stroke of these letters uh, was magical. The actual formation of these letters, uh, like the Enochian alphabet, is magical in its own way. So because, again, uh, not only does it the sound, the vibrations have an effect, uh, you know, in reality, you know, to reality, the fabric of reality itself, but also the way that the letters are shaped. That's why in the tarot you have uh, these letters on there, you know, the Hebrew letters and, and the yod and all this stuff on there because they believed that the shape of these letters uh, had some other supernatural aspect to everything else. And I think I don't know if I, if I want to dive into 
the other connection that I have, because I did find a connection with John D and this other thing. So the guy that established St. Augustine, he was present at the marriage of uh, Philip and Mary the first Mary Tudor. So bloody Mary and uh, D was around, you know what I mean? D was around. He was in prison, <laughs> you know, she threw him in prison. And after she died, you know, Elizabeth came through for him and pulled him out and the rest is history. But he was around and then he was the one that established St. Augustine, which if you look into the story of St. Augustine is an also very interesting story as well. But the John D connection, right? Because we have the Mirror Magic, Mirror Lakes and also, I'm going to probably send you a picture later, Chance. I actually have a picture of me at one of these Mirror Lakes. And I didn't know that until I started looking into the whole Mirror Lake thing here in Florida. Because, again, it could be, I love the way that Emily Moore talks about it, where in all these lakes, you see the city's skyline in the reflection of these lakes. So, again, this, what she calls the interdimensional architecture, I like, I like that type of stuff. And it all, I also relate it to Jekyll Island, where unfortunately Thomas has been there and he's not going to like what I have to say about it, but it's like, I think it's some sort of soul harvesting or energy harvesting place. Cause like, why? have it why make the what is it white hall in south florida a museum why open these places up to the public thomas stayed there bro he probably has some fucking egregore or something attached to him by him staying there and participating on the shell mound where there are possibly bodies buried there and here he is fucking sleeping away just like a like nothing. I'm like, dude, I, I sleep like a baby, bro. I sleep like a fucking baby. <laughs> so it's, it's again, I, I, I had, a, I did an episode with Chaz the dead and we talked about magical formula and egregores and topas and thought forms and all this stuff. And one of the things that we came to the conclusion is because you're talking about orally passing something forward is the egregores need a story. It's a magical formula. They need a story to attach themselves to in order to exist. Florida man is an egregore. Everybody talks about the fucking Florida man. You know what I mean? He is an egregore. It's like, what's the for this crazy guy that just does crazy shit and everybody knows him for that. He's an egregore. We've already projected and given that thing energy. And he's running around Florida wherever something happens. Florida man has that. It's like, is he, do you know what he did last time? You know what he, he, he did most recently? Florida man fatally shoots roommate with a pellet gun because he was annoyed. There you go, dude. You have to be seriously pissed to kill somebody with a pellet gun. Florida man wasn't fucking. That's not just one shot. That had to be like hundreds of shots, right? Yeah. Like (laughs) it is an egregore, though. Any given day, just Google Florida man and see what you get that day. Like they, I, I don't know what it is, but. The news seems to like have a hand in creating that egregore and wanting to perpetuate it. I don't know why. Maybe it just gets good ratings. I think those, you know, those bags of ice that you get for your cooler. I think somehow there's like actual crack in every like 50th bag and they got mixed into the, into, into the circulation. And every once in a while, some fucking dude drinks the ice water and it's fucking crack water. And then we get a headline pops up in Florida. 
Yeah, 100%. There's something again, and there's something about the water. We, we brought up the water table last time. It's magical properties, right? This, this, and, and by them overdeveloping Florida, by them taking away these areas, the water is being filtered less. By because it uses the vegetation and everything to filter by you taking down the wetlands and, and forest and all this stuff, you're taking away with the medium where the water can pass through to filter. So the, the John D connection that I was able to find, then I threw in my whole, my little twist, which, which I, I presented to Gabe and he was the one that really liked it. I thought it was a crazy idea, but whatever. Well, I guess we'll find out. I, I didn't want to say it on air so people don't bring forth the apocalypse, whatever. So we have, I was, I'm doing an, a deep dive on John D and I'm in, I have probably about 15 books because there's so much material on him. You have Edward Kelly in there as well. If you don't know the story, it's a really crazy story, but I was looking into this and I came across a book and you know, it's, it's circumstantial at best, the evidence, but John D's conversations with angels, Kabbalah, alchemy, and the end of nature written by a Deborah E Harkness. Now, this lady does have cancer, so I don't want to be talking. Sh- I'm not talking shit about a lady with cancer, right? I'm just bringing forth this idea. But she and is that, a Harkness. But so th- again, I saw it and I'm like, Deborah E. Harkness. I'm like, why does that name stand out to me? I go, why is that such a weird name to me? Whatever. I did more research and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to tap into a little bit of Florida research. And I go, Harkness. That fucking name. So Harkness was one of the silent partners, stepbrother to Henry Flagler. Flagler's first wife was a Harkness. And the Harkness family traces back to philanthropic exercises and shit for forever. Right. They've donated over billions of dollars. And not only that, but one of the sons to the Harkness Edward Harkness was a member of the Wolf's Head Society, and he also donated a tomb to them at one point. So, again, these were guys because they, they do shit in tombs. I don't know whether they're fucking vampires or not, but again, I'm not. A, these are these are people that you're not that's able a, to. F- that's a masonry thing. Like before there was the thing that is called mm-hmm. Freemasonry now, the these orders would meet in crypts and tombs. That was like part of their. That's jam. weird. That's fucking weird. But that ties into skull and bones because well, it's it, part of the the three at Yale. Well, the, the Vatican itself, arguably <laughs> the origin point of all this, is built over a necropolis and named after the goddess that guarded that necropolis, Vatica. Yep. yep. Wow. So yeah. this is. I think it's because, or it has something to do with the fact that this is all underworld shit. Like mm-hmm. so, you touch criminal I, underworld. Keep that in I, mind, Chance. Keep that court, underworld, underworld in mind. And the criminal underworld are the same thing. I have something for that underworld as well that relates to Florida. So keep that in mind. It's fucking crazy. Go ahead. I just want to. I just want to mention real quick. My favorite tomb is the classic Rosicrucian tomb, or the 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 tomb of the Mr. Rosencruz. Like I can't remember his name right now, but if you just look up Rosicrucian tomb, it is Christian Rosencruz. Christian Rosencruz. Yeah. It's Christian Rosencruz, right? His tomb that they built is the most elaborate tomb I've ever 
scene and it's beautiful. Maybe I'll find a picture and screen share it while, while you keep on going. Those dudes on. are jerking off with each other, howling at the moon together is what the fuck they're doing <laughs> when they're in these fucking crypts that they sit in and they look at it. You know what I mean? They're try, they're doing some yes. stuff. You can't find any information on them. They're an elite. So, but think about that idea that there are secret societies. Just Just let that simmer secret society i'm like what in the fuck like how is that okay whatever anyways so we have the harkness which is connected you can uh, you know connect it all the way to yale he did donate their newest tomb to them where they meet up and howl at the moon together or do whatever that they do and pretend to be werewolves i guess and i don't know so that i made that connection i'm like harkness okay that's kind of weird and she translated she was talking about she did a few translations and she's talking about john d and then he just happens to be a silent partner to uh john d rockefeller and the first wife of flagler was a harkness she died uh and also but then uh, harkness was also his stepbrother so are you are you dating your stepsister i don't Again, I didn't know what that was, but uh-huh. also I came across the whole thing of that Flagler. Cause again, these are very powerful people. You're not going to find information. You're not going to find dirt on these people. You know what I mean? They, they're very hush hush. So when you're looking for, for, uh, you know, information on them, you're not going to find anything. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a Marvel villain based on a real witch. There you go. So this Deborah E. Harkness, again, looks, seems like a cool lady, but she specializes in witchcraft. She is a, uh, a discuss, she writes historical fiction and one of her special specialties is witchcraft. Again, not saying that it is anything, but she is a well-regarded historian of science and medicine, as well as having studied alchemy, magic, and the occult. So, and she just happens to be a Harkness. So I, I didn't know what to think about that. I just thought it was very, interesting that they would pick john d out of all the people to write about and then you have john d rockefeller so right. I, again yeah. one quick thing real quick if her name is deborah e harkness you take her first two initials d e d e harkness that's darkness yeah they, they got that flag waving right out front and people don't see it it's right there you know, one yeah. of the things uh, uh, that's been racking my brain for a while, too, and I haven't been able to dive too much deeper into it, but I think most uh, I think all you sweet, sweet gentlemen will be able to uh, uh, throw your two cents on this um, is the cosmic code of this name archetype. OK, there's what is the correlation between, you know, this ancient family lineage of the Harknesses and and, you know, than the other uh, deep family lineage of the Rockefellers, right? And then the fact that they happen to be intertwined and intertangled, you know, from across seas to over here. And then the name John D, uh, you know, just fulfilling this role, fulfilling some sort of archetypal role. I think there is, you know, one part of the high initiatory process, um, you know, because when you, when you get initiated, you get to choose your name. And being born is one level of initiation, right? Like just being born. And if you're born into a family line that has deep family lineage to these, these higher, you know, um, secret societies or what have you, then just being born is your first level of initiation. So from that, you get your surname, uh, 
right? That is chosen to you from your higher ups, from your coronation process, you know, your crowning process, the crown is shown. It's your coronation. It is your night. It is, you know, it is that first step into the initiatory process of existence within this here algorithm. So let's wrap on that. Let's, can we wrap on the, uh, on, on the name archetype thing and how crazy it is when yeah. people fulfill their roles of their fucking names. So I had, to, I had to just drop something really quick in the chat here, but the, the name Rockefeller literally translates <laughs> to a wide open field of rye and what grows on rye, but ergot, which is potentially Salem witch that, trials. Well, not just the Salem witch trials, but the very basis of like the Bakian and Dionysian rites and, you know, yes. Illusian mysteries, that kind of culminates with this ergot growing on rye all the way up through, you know, Salem witch trials and everything else. I, I think there might be something to that because maybe the Rockefellers, if you trace it all the way back, maybe they were in control of these fields of rye and they got to control who got to talk to God. And let me add also, um, let me just say about ergot. Ergot is philologically Argyle. <laughs> And Argao is the name that Falconelli gives to the secret coded language of the alchemists and the green language. But it's also also referred to as Kant or Kant language, which is specifically referring to the language of the criminal underworld, slang coded terminology for the criminal underworld. So through that link, <laughs> the ones that serve the ergot speak Argao. And you can't understand them because they don't want you to know what they're up to. So a couple of things. You're talking about archetypes, Romy, right? John D is, uh, is arguably the archetype of Marlowe's Faust. You have any wizard with a long beard with a crystal ball, any wizard, the, the traditional wizard is attributed to John D. OK, any anything, you know, Shakespeare and uh, Tempest and all these guys, supposedly that's modeled after the John D. Now we're talking about green language. We're talking about coded ciphers, alchemy. I'm going to quote f- fucking Falconelli, baby. The Mysteria des Cathedrals. OK, bro, I got some language. The instrument of the spirit has a life of its own even though it is only a reflection of the universal idea. And that's Falconelli, baby. But fuck that guy, too, because he talked about child sacrifice. So I'm going to just put that out there. But again, yes, these people are fulfilling their roles. And it's very interesting that they pick the things that they pick, that they pick the certain languages that they pick. And I think it's not by coincidence. And maybe I'll go even as far as to say that these people do this on intuition and maybe perhaps they don't understand what they're doing. So this Harkness lady maybe might not know about all this other stuff, but by intuition for some whatever thing was happening, she just felt compelled. She's a fiction writer, but she felt compelled to write about John D, the magician and translate some works and all these things about the Enochian language. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. And also the idea that I brought forth because we, you know, chance mentioned the new world earlier. It's very, very strange language. They use the new world. Well, John D talked, you know, he allegedly was coined, uh, coined the term British empire. And he was very, 
the angels were telling him pretty much to have this worldwide Kabbalistic network. You know, they went to go talk to Rudolph II and he wrote for Maximilian, his dad and all this stuff. And you have the Monas hieroglyphica and all these, all these crazy things. Like they were on a suicide mission. These angels were eventually going to kill them by the shit that they were telling them to do. And they were going and doing it. They're like, Hey, go to this powerful Roman emperor and tell him that he's possessed by demons and that he needs to repent for his sins. And he's like, wait, so what do I, who do I tell him sent me? Tell him the angels sent you. So here goes John D and Edward Kelly with their entire families. And they go over and they're like, Hey, I need a meeting with Rudolph II, And we're going to tell him that he's a fucking crazy lunatic who's possessed by demons. And they told him and he just ignored them (laughs) and they were (laughs) booted out shortly after but my whole thing is the new world you know you have michael serion who who talks about these what do they call what do he calls them he calls them macro uh, anyways Uh, macros macrobes 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 that they were leading john d to bring forth this new world order he refers to America as Atlantis. Let's flesh out the macrobe thing real quick. We're talking about the way that we can perceive microbial mm-hmm. life forms. As above, mm-hmm. so below. He's oh. talking about macrobial life forms. Massive above us. plasma-based life entities, living entities that in some way communicate with or influence humanity. That those that the archons. With them. The governors. I, I want to say anybody, because Gabe, it looks like maybe... Like you need to watch Michael Serion's video on John D and Francis Bacon and the macrobes. He does this fucking 20 minute presentation that will suck all the seeds straight out the straw, dude. I'm telling you, <laughs> polish clean, baby. Like we're talking. What the you fuck? Fuck? my boy, Mike, too. It's to Serion. He is not silent. Oh, to Serion. So he quick call him Imsar. That's what, his cool I, man nickname. Imsar? Imsar. Imsar. <laughs> yeah, because so, he's the czar of fucking conspiracy, dude. He's old yeah, school. Yeah, so, gee, yeah. I, I got to put something in there on the on that uh, that historical marker where John D. and Edward Kelly go to uh, uh, Rudolph, right? What's his Rudolph name? Rudolph II. Rudolph mm-hmm. II. That is the tra- that is a very significant point in occult history. That is when mm-hmm. Uh, Edward Kelly gives him the uh, Voynich manuscripts. The, yep, the Voynich and, manuscript. Yep. Yep, and the Voynich manuscripts are uh, are are something a whole other show in and of itself. But I just got reading it. Reading it gets you high. Reading it gets you fucking in an altered state of consciousness. Right. People who go to look at it, they're like, I got fucking buzzed from reading this because. They say it's about herbs and all this other shit, but it's a, it's a cipher. But the way that what it was written with supposedly is these herbs that they can't identify. So you're breathing in all this shit while you're reading it. Is it that? Is it some sort of curse or some magical thing aspect to it? Because we're talking about language and how it affects reality and how sounds affect reality. And I think that these people know this shit, but you're talking about he was a, a super occult guy, Rudolph II. So to have this, I wouldn't 
doubt if it was if it had some magical property to it, almost uh, a right. talisman of some sort or something. I'd like, because- I'd like to put forth a theory that maybe some of these old guys with these grimoires that you're not allowed to touch and they're locked away, they might be literally dipped in LSD to where like <laughs> you're just turning the pages and, and wow. you, you, now you understand it as you're going through it. it smells like shit. Wow. Oh. That's yeah. a brain yeah. theory. I dig the hell out of that. Well, one, yeah. one more one more thing to put in the footnotes here is the, the symbol for Belphegor, that flipped upside down symbol of pie that looks like a bird, mm-hmm. it comes from the Voynich manuscripts. Interesting. Oh. And so uh, the fact that I keep running into that, uh, that particular egregore uh, in my research, I just had to point it out that right there is the handoff point. That's, that's a very powerful touch point in history for Belphegor coming into the material. You say, did you just say something about a bird? It looks like a bird. The, sh- the shape of it is like a, if you imagine a pie symbol mm-hmm. upside down, like I can almost make it with my hand. Yeah. Like, hold on. There. Like right Freezing there. A little bit. That, yeah. that is very much what uh, the Belphegor looks like. It's like upside because down. I'll bring an image forward. The reason I say that is because the bird... The there was a, there was a, a a picture of a bird that was really sacred to the indigenous people of Central Florida, which yeah. I found interesting that they found this inscription of a of a bird looking thing, and it was really sacred. And I want to wrap up on this John D thing because so we have this idea that these angels were actually obviously these otherworldly entities, demonic in nature, whatever. You can go down that rabbit hole if you want. It's, it goes deep. But what the angels gave to Kelly and D was essentially this magical language that Adam uh, was spoke and Enoch spoke and Enoch was supposedly allegedly the first one to speak it after the fall of man. That's why they call it Enochian because he was the one that talked to the angels with it. It was the, the, the language of the angels. It was this mystical thing, right? And it had powers. And when they were being presented the tablets, uh, they were, you know, some certain angel names needed to be written backwards and, and letter by letter, the angels would give it, you know, one by one. Cause it was so powerful that if they said it forward, they would summon the governor or the entity of that aether. There are 48 calls. Okay. 48 calls. I'm sorry. There's 49 calls. One of them, which you can't say, I don't know what, what that means, but it's 49 in total, but the main ones are 48. I told Gabe again, I don't know if it's possible or not, but if we're able to somehow correlate Enochian with his territories system in order, cause I believe that the 48 calls, which are used to unlock different dimensions within this magical realm that they were tapping into and scrying into. That's the whole thing. They were scrying into the aethers. If you were able to correlate those 48 calls to the lower 48 States of Atlantis mm-hmm. of again, because everything is an alchemical process. Everything is there for a reason there are borders that are shaped a certain way why oh because eh, they've always been like that really or is it some sort of sigil right because we understand exactly right so we know john d was big into cartography right he was writing maps that didn't 
that they weren't accurate until 200, 300 years later. Okay. There are maps that he drew up that were accurate 200, 300 years later after the fact. So this dude, these angels are showing them different parts of the world. There are the 91, uh, there's the 91 parts of earth. And essentially what the angels were presenting to John D and Edward Kelly was this idea of a fourth dimension of when you put the tablets together, they form a tesseract, the hypercube, a 24 cell. And a 24 cell is this crazy, again, it's, uh, sacred geometry. So we're talking about parallel dimensions. We're talking about some CERN shit. We're talking about stranger things. Okay. This is, again, all these things are put in there for a reason, right? It's all for a reason. And they're not going to just put it out there and go, Hey, f- here is it. Here it is. This is what they do here. No, it's going to be in the green language. It's going to be in language, the instrument of the spirit. Okay. And they're going to talk in code and you're going to have a really hard time reading and understanding it. And it's going to make zero sense to you because you haven't been initiated. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not that big of a club and, and you're not part of it. So, uh, yeah, dude, that shit goes deep. So I think, if we're able, but again, you got to be very careful with how you do that because these calls supposedly bring forth the end of the world. So we got to be careful how we go yes. about it. I <laughs> yeah. wonder if some of that is just them putting like the scary thing on in front of the knowledge to keep people away from it. Like the, the symbol of the Baphomet is done mm-hmm. because when they're talking about like the language that was given to Adam or whatever after the fall. Adam is atom. It's atom raw. It's the old man version of the sun before it goes down when it's about to die during the fall in ancient Egypt. It was, that's where Adam comes from is atom. And so we're talking about language being given to us from angels, but angels are angles of the sun. You know, this could all be like levels of code to just say, Hey, you got to read things forward and backwards because that's the way that we do our ciphers between languages. And if we're going to be setting up this empire, it will be languages that seem different and scattered throughout different regions of this empire. But actually the code, the Anakian language, the language of the sun for the initiated priest into the Helio cult, Helios cult will, you know, the, those who are part of the tradition that comes from the, Eleusinian or Heliosinian mysteries, they'll be able to read it because the, you know you're giving them the heads up that it's all about the angles. It's all about the astrotheology of it. That's where the that's the symbolism you're looking for. I don't know because when I hear like this stuff, like oh, you say these words and the world is going to end. I'm like, you know, some fucking idiot was like, I'll say it, <laughs> I'll say it. Well, <laughs> that, you know, that's and that's the problem. There are people who know this, and they're like, I went on top of a mountain and I invoked the fucking elder gods, and I was like, come forth and manifest, and they manifested in front of me, and they were doing some crazy shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you on? Because if you if you look at the 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 whole, uh, you know, Crowley took his own version of this language and made it into the whole thing. You have the Golden Dawn, and you have all these people who they their entire foundations are built on this magical system and again if is there more to it i am not sure because i don't practice it but it's very interesting when you read the entire accounts of the entire thing i 
if you truly look into it, it's very elaborate in order for somebody to have made it up just yeah. by chance. You got to understand there are what in the fuck? He <laughs> <laughs> was fucking. We were you were blowing his noodle so much he went sideways on us. I had to make him big. <laughs> if Kelly, if Kelly was to have made it up, he would have had to have memorized one hundred and seventy-seven thousand characters. And not only that, but he would have to have been able to speak it backwards. So again, it's very interesting, you know, for those that want to say, oh, well, you know, I know Thomas is thinking like, oh, this fucking bullshit. Yeah, it might be bullshit. But if that is the case, then Edward Kelly was the most brilliant mind of his time. Because he's memory castle. No, 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 no. That's the thing. If he was, he was a fucking genius of, of the utmost levels. Because if he was able to pull something off like that, not saying it wasn't impossible. I mean, let me, let me just throw out there. He also just could have been like a rain man. You know what I mean? Like maybe not a genius, but like an idiot savant in some ways. <laughs> or, or, think, yeah. or, maybe, or maybe, uh, he, there was a, uh, sleeper personality. That, was, that maintained all of the records mm-hmm. he, and that he was able to, through ritual, bring that persona forward and allow it to speak through him. Oof. And so th- that's kind of like this whole vibe going one on. cartoon clip of uh, John D and Edward Kelly. I've been it's on my this whole time. I'll, I'll send it to you. There's this whole vibe going on because I know Juan was like, before we get off of the John D tip, and I'm like, dude, I haven't even fucking started to dig into any of the notes I brought up about John D. But I want to say this. He had a crew of scryers. He hired an entire team. As soon as he was on the royal court, it wasn't just Edward Kelly. Edward Kelly was his absolute most prized scryer. And so that does kind of give more uh, validation to Kelly's Rain Man Yes, you know he he was the scryer that was just fucking hitting it on. But the head. nobody, no other scryer, because it was he. It was Bartho. Uh, forgot their name. Something Saul. Uh, then you had Kelly, which it was Edward Talbot when he fucking presented himself, Oof. and then it was his son Arthur D, which became a doctor and an occultist. After the fact, he was fucking eight years old or 12 years old when his dad was making him talk to angels. And he was he wanted D, uh, Kelly to initiate him to be able to scry because Kelly was driven to the point. Uh, so, again, I'm going to do a deep dive on this because it goes fucking deep. But yeah. point being that there are parallels between everybody, all these other guys. Mm-hmm. But remember, there's one common factor in the entire work and the entire workings. It's D. Okay, D was there the entire time. So all these parallels that we're seeing, was it that they were actually in touch with other interdimensional entities or was it D's make-belief thing the entire time? Nope, we're not going to fucking know because it's history, but he did write down. And not only that, but after the fact, there was another eight years that with, with that he did with Bartholomew, I believe Bartholomew Hickman was the, the other scribe's name, which we lost all those records. We don't know about if they were able to tap into something else higher than what we're talking about, because all those records were lost. But after Kelly died, he still, he still talked to angels with somebody else with another scribe. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he eventually died, but we don't know what breakthroughs that they had after the fact, because those records are lost. Yes, go ahead. Oh, I was well, just gonna tell Juan what, to take a breath. What, <laughs> yeah, I got worked up, bro. 
Yeah, this is this is lovely. One thing I'm excited to check out is to you know give these the 48 keys a nice uh, a nice look see, and wouldn't it be absolutely fascinating if we could trace the shapes of those 48 keys in the boundaries of the United States map? Mm-hmm. That would mm-hmm. absolutely blow my noodle, and that's just a theory to think about. It's something that maybe we can flush out another time and bring back to the table. But that mm-hmm. is so profound, that correspondence of the 48 to the 48. It's, uh, it's a it's big sick. fucking chessboard, man. It is a big chessboard. It's hard to see all the pieces, but it's come together. I mean, it, it makes so much sense, right? You have these keys, you have these 48 keys, but nowhere in the states are they named keys. But they did decide to name the Florida Keys Keys. And one of the mm-hmm. founders of, you know, this and, and made it actually even possible was Flagler, who basically, you know, you can group Flagler and John D. Rockefeller fucking together. I mean, in my opinion, right? When we're looking mm-hmm. at history like that, I mean, they came up together, you know, they they he serviced Florida to be able to house all of these very rich people. And um I'm I'm going to share my screen real quick just to get I have to I have to fucking spurt this shit out so I can just get it done so <laughs> I can I quit shaking in my fucking boots over here. All right. I just want to say about the keys. One thing that's interesting about them too, related to all this, may be the fact that they are bridged. Like there's such extensive bridge networks. And when we're talking about the like these secret orders and their origin back in the deep church, well, Pontifus Maximus means like the chief bridge builder etymologically. These are the middlemen are the bridge between this and that. For Freemasons, it's the architect. What's his name? Harim Safir or some whatever the fuck his name is. What's his name, Thomas? Correct me. Hiram Abif? Hiram Abif. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what his name is. What's the architect's name, bro? Your your Solomon guy. The main dude. I'm not trying to get drowned and fucking drug out the sea, bro. Come on. All right, never mind. (laughs) No, you're talking about Hiram Abif. Yeah, Cthulhu. Thrown off off a bridge, maximously. All right, so you ready for me to pull this up there, Roman? Yes, please, sir. I I have been geeking out, everybody, geeking out on the Renaissance period because when I started to dig in and get fascinated with Francis Bacon, thus, you know, you have to go to who he was a... a, Francis Bacon was a student of John Dee, right? And there is even some, like... You can really, I had a theory at one point and I haven't dug too much deeper into it, but uh, Manly P. Hall has alluded to in some of his writings that Francis Bacon potentially could be the bastard son of Queen Elizabeth I. And, you know, then I was just like, oh my God, well, John Dee and her were like, you know, so close to think that they weren't having some sort of special relations, you know, just it really like it, it correlated to me, you know? And so those two together get grouped together a lot. And, you know, the mom, the, 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 the matriarch of that, you know, Trinity is Queen Elizabeth. And she is just massively a cult because she is basically considered the queen of the Renaissance period. And so, 
you know, you go from the Gothic period, right? And you slowly weasel your way into the, what we call the Renaissance period. And then during that time, we start to find ourselves in the Protestant Reformation. At the same time, the Protestant Reformation is like this kind of strange convoluted sort of expansion, but also reclusion. We're going to expand, but we're going to suck up all this, all this uh, culture and and we're going to keep it, keep it while we expand and leech our things out. It is literally like a magma ooze. Like if you could consider magma flowing outside of a volcano and setting new rock on top of old rock, syncretically layering the new world on top of the old world, stacked civilizations from time and time again. And that's why there's this always lifelong mystery of John D and Queen Elizabeth, Francis Bacon, and everyone else that's intertwined in that. So I just got a few slides here that is just a really rough overview of this kind of crazy concept. What I think we're, 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 you know, we're touching on here and, um, you know, yeah. So here we go. Cuba was, was, the uh part of the conquistadorian takeover it conquistadorian takeover happened um around 1450 uh you know they they started landing their ships there and the conquistadorian takeover in my opinion is the occult practice of geomancy and this say, hey to cheney cheney hey, house. what's hey, happening hey don't let me interrupt don't let me interrupt hey cheney <laughs> Okay, so from between 1450 into the 1800 was the shift from the Gothic period to the Renaissance, right? Like we did, like we had just said, Queen Elizabeth I is the runner in the motions of the period leading to the Protestant Reformation. Here's Queen Elizabeth with her alleged black teeth. Queen Elizabeth I was probably the most famous sugar addict of the 16th century with a never-ending supply of the stuff. She would eat sweets with every single meal. Um, and I love that perfect pyramid of sugar right there too, right? Uh, they say that by the time she reached her mid-60s, her teeth had pretty much fallen out, having rotted so severely. A German traveler named Paul Hetzner said Elizabeth was 65 years old. Her face was oblong. Fair but wrinkled, her eyes small, yet black and pleasant, her nose a little hooked, her teeth black. A fault to the English seemed to suffer because of their great use of sugar. Now, uh, it, it kind of correlated to me because all of these lands that they would bring all these slaves to, they would grow sugar. That was like one of the huge crops at this time, you know, because you, you, they go and they're looking for gold in South and uh, Central America. Well, gold is like ag land too, right? There's all the, there's so many of these things, and uh, and so here's the seven major magics of the Renaissance period: necromancy, geomancy, hydromancy, aromancy, pyromancy, scalpomancy, and palmistry. And palmistry made it on there, you know. It's not a mancy, uh, and, and I'm getting somewhere with this, I promise. Uh, so here's, uh, I wish it was zoomed in a little bit more, but here's some of the geomantic figures of the planetary alignments. And they would use this on paper. It would have just as much strength as it would if they were to draw it into the land. And what they would do is invoke some of these celestial powers and uh, into their divinations on the land. And geomancy is, you know, 
highly, highly useful to navigators, right? If you are navigating the waters, well, you're going to use, you're going to use aromancy, the use of divinating the future or the past with the clouds and the climate. You're going to use the hydromancy, you know, because you're with um, and on the water. And I think that's why we have all of these, you know, these, um, uh, watered down stories of, our navigation history, right? And all these movies that tell us about how navigation was, you know, it's super rudimentary. They, you know, they were just, you know, barely getting by with compasses that were being flown off because they were made so shittily. Well, the truth with that is, is, is I actually don't know. I think that's a part of one of the major parts of suppression of history is the fact that we were major navigators with some sort of heightened technology, especially since the introduction of optics. Once we found out how to make optics, everything changed. And that was heightened during the Renaissance period. So you have these seven major magics of the Renaissance period at that same time as the major sciences being broken through. Um, and here's a quote from this really sweet uh, uh, book that John D uh, uh, had written. And he had actually met a few times, had met Christopher Columbus and his son, Ferdinand Columbus. So this is where it starts to come in and kind of tie the picture together of the new Atlantean theory of coming over here. What the real reason is, what the true syncretic reason was for this foundation, because Columbus was friends with John D, who was one of the major sorcerers who and I'm going to say it again, Francis Bacon potentially maybe being the bastard son of Queen Elizabeth I could be the pseudonym Francis Bacon of Roger Bacon to Franciscan. Every time you look up Roger Bacon, he's got the word Franciscan right next to it. So if you put those two together, these these lords of ciphers, right? These Cypherian overlords, I want to put all the Bacon Cypherian shit into the Shakespeare plays. You have Bacon, Roger Bacon. Shake and bake. Shake and bake, bake bacon and eggs. And so I, I think they're alluding to Roger Bacon. Roger Bacon is one of the most famous sorcerers and wizards of history of European history, as well as John D. So I'm going to read the serpent and then I'm going to read one more serpent and then I'm shutting the fuck up for a while. So it seemeth to me uh, a thing it, uh, indecent to read so much of a gold and silver to know little or nothing of the natural generation thereof. And secondly, that if a trial lying strange and unknown courtesy traveling, I think is it if in if in traveling and strange into the unknown countries, he may know by the information of the inhabitants or otherwise of that such regions are fruitful of the rich metals. He may make even further search of the same. The third cause is that although this our realm of England be full of metals, Yet there is few or none in England that have any great skill thereof, of metallurgy, or anything written in our own tongue, whereby men be well instructed of that generation and finding the same, as the like ignorance hath been among us to the cosmography and navigation, until I attempted, according to the portion of my talent and simple learning, to open the first door to the entrance of this knowledge into our own language. Um, and then I'm going to skip back over this Fidel Castro and bird thing with birdie. Um, uh, fuck. Oh, I didn't put it on here. Sorry. Hold on. 
I, there, there's a whole rabbit hole with uh, a voodoo and uh, the worship of birds and Fidel Castro practicing voodoo <laughs> birds, and then Bernie being uh, uh, quoting Fidel Castro and then having his bird come to his podium. But I want to go to that what later. The fuck? So John D's Columbian encounter. Here we go. On at least one occasion between 1571 and 1583, John D. encountered Christopher Columbus. The medium was Columbus's son, Ferdinand, and they met in the margins of Ferdinand's famous history of the life and deeds of the Admiral Christopher Columbus. One of the earliest, most important accounts of Chris- Columbus's encounter with the New World, D. purchased the work sometime after its publication in 1571. Supposedly, I, I, re- I mean, he was writing papers on navigation, uh, around this time as well and he was 15 bro exactly and he read and noted it carefully in 1583 the book was entered into his library catalog with a slightly garbed title it ultimately made its way to the british library where i stumbled upon it in the summer of 1994 um and you know you guys can get kind of the rest of the picture from that you guys can download um this awesome pdf by william h sherman to kind of go deeper into all that shit and uh, just it just ties these pictures together of the true actual uh, um, geomantic history of why the new world was really being discovered. Yep. The obsession with metallurgy, the um, the pyramid building cultures have for some reason have liquid mercury in the tunnels underneath the pyramids. It's found in the pyramid of Quetzalcoatl and it's found in another famous pyramid in ancient China literal pools of liquid mercury underneath the ground. And so since you can't get to the pyramids of Giza through any door up front, that's all tunnels underneath to get to the real entrance of how you enter pyramids. There's people we've talked to on rising from the ashes of how you get into pyramids through canoes and, and tunnels, tunnel works, and you have to enter from the bottom going up. Now, if they're looking for metals and, you know, and we're talking about major alchemy and alchemy is huge for hundreds of years at this point. I think the true foundation of the conquistadorian takeover was about, you know, it's about hollow earth. I think it's about finding the true alchemist stronghold within the center of the planet. You just fucking blew wide open something in my mind because the whole, the whole system of Enochian is uh, the, the golden dawn. They use tourniqueted, pyramids and what do you see in mesoamerica tourniqueted pyramid so a tourniqueted pyramid is truncated is that how you say it truncated i've yeah. been saying it around this entire time anyways truncated which is the pyramid with the top cut off without the capstone which is in the back of the fucking our money the dollar bill is also on there so trapezoid like the uh the satanic order of the trapezoid ex- exactly so you have this idea of Again, it's to give these entities um, uh, a a physical medium. So to go from 2D to 3D and they gain more power through that. But then you have the alchemical aspect to it. Mercury. Hello, fucking Mercury. You know, you know, what I mean, like this, the the main thing, you know, one of the main things. So absolutely, as Romy would say, I do think that these guys are on to some sort of Maybe the pyramids are some big alchemical chamber where they were doing these things to manifest who the fuck knows what. 
Um, <laughs> you too. said bacon as well. And the six degrees of Kevin Bacon to add to your pyramid idea as well would be the Thelema star, right? To the as above, so below. So it would be just like a landmark on top, maybe that you could get to underneath. And um, also the alchemical metals of America is one of the biggest huge spells from them wanting to get rid of the guns. It has less to do with the guns and more to do with the metal of the guns, the metal of the ammo to get rid of the change. It has less to do with the currency of the change than it does to do with it getting rid of the metal of the change. That's why um, in all the islands, they're making bills that are like $50,000. So your pennies pointless but they want the metal of that penny so bad. That's why there was a chain shortage at the beginning of all the coronavirus. Yeah, it's um, all alchemical. It's um, a huge thing, but it's I, I always say it's about the crops too. They want to get rid of all the wood, they, like the hard wood that grows the longest and slowest that's meant for here. They want to get rid of the cotton. They want to get rid of the hemp. They want to get rid of the crops that grew. So they called them all racist. But really, alchemically, that's all the stuff we should be wearing. You don't need plastics on your skin. You don't need plastics growing plants, plastic plants. Um, but uh, yeah, I totally agree with so much there. There's wow, like four rabbit holes that I need to dig into. I'm like, crazy. I need to dig into the bacon. And not, not only that, but the bacon, the swine symbolism. What did Jesus do? He casted the demons into the swine, into the pigs. And what do you get from pigs? You get bacon. So uh, I wanted to add on to the whole John D thing because the Enochian system, we know Crowley was real big into that. Parsons was doing the same thing. And interestingly enough, in 1909, with Crow, when Crowley had his little encounter with Charizone, right? This where he was possessed and all this shit. Maybe... We know Crowley didn't give a shit about anybody. What if he offered up how Tessarion says about John D that he offered up the entire humanity, you know, as a blood sacrifice to these entities. Cause after 1909, what do we have happen? We have the founding of, we have the Titanic. We have the founding, the meeting at Jekyll Island of what the federal reserve. And then right after that, we have what we have the first world war. And then we have the Great Depression after that. And then we have World War II. We have all these fucking crazy things that happen. And after. there's also very arguable, I would even say provable, that the resulting chaos of the 20th century is a direct manifestation of alchemics, of the further alchemizing of the economic system to create, to turn lead into gold, metaphorically, to turn worthless paper into something of value. And that for, that process is going even further with mm -hmm. the making of the ether, you know, imaginary digital systems into the system of value. But what's important to know about that fiat currency system? Transmuted to, money, fucking whole. It's fake, bro. Romy, did you get the book? You got that book now, did you, dude? I got the book. I didn't fuck, dude. <laughs> read it, bro. So when you're talking about that is so beautiful because this, you know, there's this concept of like psych psychological alchemy or whatever, you know, alchemy in every single sense and transmutation mm -hmm. of things, base metals into gold, right? That's like the classic alchemy. But what you're saying here about turning lead into gold, turn the paper into the gold, switching the gold standard into the oil, because that's the, can we, can we go into, let's do this because this was part of one of, one of our topics besides none of the words I just said made any sense because it was black. 
blabber blabber <laughs> and i apologize about that no i totally understood all of it but yeah, let's, go into jack it all made sense. let's go let into jack Island. one more thing about the whole economics thing the key thing to know is that when fiat currency when fractional reserve banking went off the gold standard completely and went fully into imaginary value of paper at that point because the credit was able to be just created out of nothing without needing any real resource, you know, there wasn't a limitation based on how much gold actually existed. That means that inflation could just continually ramp up forever. And so for society to continue without collapsing pretty much right away or super fast, the governments had to come up with more and more shit to spend money on so that the velocity of the money would continue increasing, possibly even wars. Exactly. Wars, government programs, you know, pizza socialism, parties. all of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Pizza parties, $500 per bag of laundry for your soldiers and the, you know, in the Middle East, just ridiculous prices that the, uh, the military industrial complex charges the government for war in Ukraine. Cost anything. <laughs> yeah. Delicacy. So problems. the point of all that is that, um, that also speeds up the velocity of money traveling through our, our system, our economy. And that that velocity of trade, like how fast and rapid the trade is going, there's a strong case to be made that that actually speeds up time or humans perception of time. It's, it's like a CERN of currency, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and just right. constantly making it as fast as it can possibly go and seeing what happens. Right. Well, and then the that's, word that's, liter- that's like the, the, the literal physical ramification of evolution. Because mm-hmm. what do you have? What is your life other than how much time you have here? Like in terms of how you value your spiritual currency, your attention is how much attention you have to pay. Mm-hmm. And that loosing that's going on as we're slowly sacrificing our youth, our own youth, and then our the future of our future generations for to keep this uh, stupid game going. You know, right. that's actually literally siphoning, loosing time out of humanity. Right. Cutting, like cutting Mercury's legs off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alchemical. They're, yeah. they're flushing. They're flushing the the currency down the CERN project. Uh, they're douching you out. They're douching they're, you out. Yeah, That's very rapidly to expedite time. So I want I want to share a couple of images that kind of connect a long arc of the projects that we've done in this group. You know, starting uh, with Rhode Island. Ever since we did HP Lovecraft, <laughs> I've had the, you know, the geographic coordinates of Rhode Island etched into my mind. And then uh, not long after, we're looking at uh, Jekyll Island and I look at the Jekyll Island coordinates and I'm like, holy fucking shit. I'm looking at a perfect line, a perfect gradient on X, Y axis. And so here I'm going to share. Screen. And I've made a little graphic. Am I up, Chance? Yeah, oh, yeah, you are. I see. Okay. Uh, but drag that StreamYard is sharing your screen box away so we oh, can yeah. see the bottom part of your Cholula thing. <laughs> so, I love Cholula sauce. <laughs> so up top, you've got uh, 41 North. Uh, 71 West is where Rhode Island is located. Jekyll Island is a very profoundly interesting reflection at 31 by 81. We are on an exact linear progression. And so I did the, uh, you know, the triangulation, 
whatever logical, next logical process, step in the process. And it takes me right to this incredibly hard to pronounce uh, impact crater. This is the Chicxulub crater. Doesn't that sound familiar? Does that sound like fucking Chulub <laughs> to you guys? And look wow. how, how incredibly on point it is. It's 21, and I was looking for 91. 91 is where I wanted it to land, but it's fucking close enough. It's fucking spot on close enough. And so this is the, this is Chululu. We found fucking Chululu. He's right off the Yucatan Peninsula. And sure what enough. What the fuck? Yeah, buddy. What sure the fuck? fuck? Illuminati confirmed. Y- yeah, yeah. And this is. FBI, open up! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll just point out that part of what brought my attention to this was I was seeing all of the center numbers of the magical square of the moon. Uh-oh. All those coordinates fall in oh, right fuck. on the center line. And what I, the fuck, bro? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, guys, this is a, this is fuck out of here. I'm sitting on shit. I'm so terrified to bring to public because I don't want that knock at my door. I don't want that knock at my door. But this is a fucking good one. This is worth bringing up because we're talking about rare earth elements, you know, and there's nothing more rare than what the fuck ever landed and allegedly wiped out the dinosaurs, as they tell us. But this. Okay. Yeah, no. go ahead. No, I, I, okay, I, I got some. No, I, I got some shit too. So whenever no, the fuck no, you no, want to no, get no, to me, just no, fucking. Okay, the shape. Maybe he's talking about a shape. The Cthulhu is is an octopus, right? So you have these eight legs or the classic tentacles, right, with the head in the middle. Well, that's like the I Ching, right? You got the eight walls and this mound in the middle or the mirror in the middle. But also the one thing I just it was random and I fucking had a spur. I should probably just keep my fucking. Uh, uh, a mic on mute, honestly, when I'm not. No, talking. But anyway, disclaimers, we love you. Okay. Okay. I love you too. Uh, so uh, also I do, uh, people mentioned earlier and no one's mentioned it live on the show. I also love your fucking haircut, by the way, but those are types of things I mentioned to my friends. Okay, Thank you. Nobody they, said anything on the actual show. I was going to start my points with hubba hubba, first of all, but I didn't want to. <laughs> um, but the, the Mars and the pe- pepperoni pizza, the one thing I noticed is that there were eight cyclones around one major cyclone in the middle. So that was automatic eaching, bing, bing to me me and that's automatic like CERN. CERN you know like I was just like that. that's that's nine in total that's the full complete set right before the, Og, the, the, Og, Dad, the Ogdad of ancient Egypt yeah oh, oh I actually don't even know what the fuck that is but it's, it's just crazy Gabe that is a fucking massive dig dude congrats brother they're I, all I, about octopus dead. symbolism though the my octopus teacher the, it's right. their it's their wave of the it's um any time in the in the last movies of them seeing aliens whatever the redhead girl that looks like the clone of all the other redhead girls <laughs> when she's talking to the black uh octopus that talk in a circular language is it a rival yep. yeah i don't know so yeah the eight the octo the eight these are first of all symbolizing the analemma so the cult of the sun Lord Eight is Hermes, their mercantile uh, medical deity, whatever you want to call it. And then Eight, when you turn Eight sideways, of course, it's an infinity symbol, but it also looks like eyes, the Watchers, man. And Meta and all their 
Yeah. And I I, want to add, because this is why I love doing these, because we do our, we're in our own little bubbles, but we connect everything together. I don't know if that's by coincidence or if that's whatever anyways, but the crater, I was looking into craters the other day because right. The whole thing is space is fake and gay, whatever. Cool. If you want to believe that, sure. Uh, recently we had the pictures that came out that was like, Oh wow, it's fucking crazy. It looks, it looks so real. It's fake. You know what I mean? Like whatever it looks so it looks fake. Cause you know, it's real, whatever. And I was looking up, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> if it's a, you know, if, if there's all these craters everywhere, how many craters are there in the, in the world that have, you know, you have crater Lake at that one, I think it's Arizona or something. It looks really crazy. Anyways, I was looking up Oregon, uh, Oregon. Yeah. I was looking up craters and Edward Kelly, right back to John D because all roads lead back to John D. He had a red powder. Okay. He had a red substance and Kelly doesn't get enough credit, but Kelly was one of the few alchemists of history who was able to do an actual transmutation into gold. He wrote after the fact he was super famous. So John D was ever, you know, at the age of 15, he was this genius prodigy. He was teaching Euclid at all these universities, Cambridge and all this stuff. And he was, he was a genius. And for almost his entire life, he was famous. And Kelly, after the fact, by hanging out with D people saw that he was into alchemy hardcore and he started to work for all these uh, emperors and all this stuff, but he had a red powder. And apparently this red powder was some sort of made of some stone from that from space. We have the Egyptian Pharaoh who had a dagger that was of this weird meteorite, right? Exactly. And color out of space. And I brought up this from the Florida's fudge identity, uh, this quote, because it stood out to me because they're talking, it goes, was among the dis- dischanted, disenchanted pilgrims to this modern Mecca. They called Epcot the modern Mecca. And, and the quote goes, Epcot Center has accomplished something I didn't think possible in today's world. They have created a land of a make-believe that's worse than regular life. Unvarnished reality would be preferable. In fact, it might be fun. So, again, this was a hit piece in 94, talking about how you know, stranger things where the, that tentacle takes over everything and it's like taking over the world and all this stuff. Well, Disney was doing the same thing here in Florida. It was taking over and uh, the communities were emulating Disney and Disney was emulating the community. So you have this mirrored reality within a reality that's fucking make belief. You know what I mean? So they're putting out all these things and Mecca, the stone at Mecca is supposed to be allegedly a meteorite. And that stone was stolen one time and it went from a certain size down 60%. So the, the conspiracy is that when they had stolen it and returned, it was 60% smaller, some crazy number like that, that this red powder was from that. And people were using that because they talk about Egyptians and all this gold. Where the fuck did all the gold come from? Where'd all the gold come from? It's like, well, they possibly could have made it, you know, through having access to otherworldly, literally otherworldly substances. That's why they were never able to figure out how to make 
lead turn into gold because it was fucking not even of this planet. It was from outer space, bro. So again, very interesting. I'm gonna shut the fuck up, but I, I needed to add that because you know Edward Kelly's red powder. Look into it. Very fucking interesting. I, I wonder if you ever send me any articles ever. So I keep it going. <laughs> I wonder if the Epcot Center is on that line, and if it's if that line it's a giant ball. Right. I wonder it's a if- specific shape, though, and I feel like it's I don't remember the molecule after looking it up, but it's like something to do with um, like the guy who created it. It's some specific. Like, He's a lizard. Thing. Yeah. And if you point out the thing that it is, there's a couple other things on the planet that are also this exact design. But it's sphere sphere. Yeah. yeah is like that the- all triangles to make a. It's not circle. The- it's a hemispherical thin shell structure lattice shell. Based on a geodesic polyhedron tri- with triangular is. elements of the dome. What did I mention earlier that the, the angels were trying to give to Kelly and D? When you put together, if you look at the Enochian tablets, you're able to make sacred geometry. And they were, they were giving them things. And again, it's all about formulas. So you have Pythagoras. With all these formulas, it's about taking your ideas and forming a platonic solid. Therefore, you take your idea and it manifests itself into an actual thing. Cartesian coordinate system. It's used in everything for 3D modeling and all this shit. It's about taking your inanimate ideas and being able to literally manifest it into the real world by doing what the fuck is a 3D printer? You take an idea, you put it into the software and you fucking print it and it comes to life. Boom. That's fucking magic. You know what I mean? Like that's what these guys back then were trying to do. They're like, how can we speed up the process of manifesting things? Let's take, all right, let's make a formula. What does it mean? Uh, well, numbers, everything is numbers. And John D was real into Kabbalah and all this shit, bro. He's uh-huh. uh, into Neopythagorism and all this stuff. And he looked at magic as a form. He looked at, uh, um, excuse me, math as a form to unlock the secrets of magic. That was his whole thing. He was a mathematician. He was, he translated Euclid. He was teaching Euclid and all this shit. So again, part of the reason for that has to also do with. It's funny you brought up Euclid. Did you guys already talk about the, what is it? 47 degrees of Euclid? No, no. Enlighten us, please. Oh, I'll, um, let me find, like, I had no way smart enough, but I'll definitely take a picture. It's the the 47th proposition of Euclid, which is the same as the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, and so that's the other name of it. So this is episode 47, and you know, the 47 oh of it all for my. me. What the so. fuck? What the fuck, y'all? <laughs> is it really the 47th episode? Yeah, it is. It's Fiber at 47. Oh my God. That's we're getting. Yeah, we're gonna get a knock on our door tonight for sure, bro. And not, <laughs> not, not in our, not at our door, but in our dreams, gonna fucking be. And, and what do you got in every triangle? But you've got six different angles between the uh, the interior and the exterior, right? The esoteric and exoteric. Then we got six people here with uh, six different angles and three Florida one, people. One angle on the math aspect that you're just talking about, the one going back to John D, the founding of the British Empire. Well, the previous existence of empires is still predicated on the same thing, which is that the priestly class that set up the languages for them they would put it in code. It would be encoded numerically so that they get their myths in their region, whether it's from Druids or from Cardinals and Bishops. And then the figures and the, the stories that had the same gematrological value from one language and from one 
name of a character to another, they would mirror each other. So like if you were in the club, but you were from somewhere else, but you came to visit or work in a different region of the empire, you could just jump right in and communicate with the uh, the other priests, even if you didn't speak their language per se, if you knew the cipher of the alphabet. So like, it's kind of like music, how sheet music, we could still read sheet music written from long ago. And it's the same kind of language. And it's a numerical language because it's set to time. And even the notes are kind of like numbers in a way. And that music, no matter who reads it and plays the music, it, it gives a feeling, you know, those numbers give a certain feeling. They have a qualitative emotional effect on a human being. The human beings that hear the same song have a similar reaction to that song. Like we know what sad bastard music sounds like. That's what I called what my mom was listening to <laughs> tonight. Like some emo crybaby music. And then the fact is like, Hey man, the language, the language, <laughs> the language in the mythology is kind of the same way. The stuff that has the same mathematical value in one language and in one system. And then somewhere else, that story is also having the same psychological value and effect and emotional effect on, on the people who just receive it in the exoteric without having the keys to decipher. Yeah. That, that, that's that, like, that's an angle. I'm not saying that's all that's going on. That's an angle though, with the math. No, absolutely. And that's one of the things, uh, like for the Mona Hieroglyphica, which is like this really cryptic writing that John D did was like, he didn't leave the key to decipher it. He so allegedly he taught people what that meant, and he said that it was the answer to everything. So I mean, whatever that means, but I'm sure a lot of other people said the same thing other than him. But yeah, I very interesting. Like that, book, that book got so much shit on it. Like when you look up like uh, the old reviews of of that, you know, by like um, just just like uh, uh, smart people of antiquity, they'd be like, "Yeah, John D was great and all these things, but he also wrote the Monas." Uh, <laughs> most obscure piece of literature ever written of a mind of his caliber. It was like yeah. gibberish pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like honestly, like, I mean, I don't think it's that crazy. I think once you really start to fucking it's, if you were initiated, you got it almost instantly. Like you had to have, because it's not that like, it's not that insane. Like what he's talking about. I I've read it. Like I'm, I'm dumb as fuck. And I'm like, yo, yeah, no, I totally, I totally get it because shapes really do make sense. I was going to bring this up that, um, we just finished the month of syncretism. We call it esoteric America month and just, you know, had on all the people that talk about the Masonic influences of their towns and everything. And Gabe joined us on for the group show, the end of the, um, the end of the month. And Gabe, do you remember Peter shampoo, uh, talked about the pyramids um, actually penetrating into the ground, going deeper into the ground. And so uh, we kind of had this like kind of cool like, group epiphany thing where it was just like the earth as a Merkaba, as this sacred geometrical shape that the pyramids themselves penetrating through the earth to make it be the traveling cosmic space machine that it is as we constantly are vibrating and wormholing over and over again. And so the thing is with this, like, Hey, I have this red dust. How do I make it into gold? Hey, I have these things. How do I transmute it? Well, you have to have an oven in order to bake a cake, right? So you got to have the right shape in order to do these practices in. 
And what we find out about through pyramid power and everything that the consciousness and the art of memory by Francis Yates or Giordano Bruno, if anybody has not dug into that, you need to dig into the art of memory. It is one of the only texts that is like comprehensively um, uh, able to tell us about how the real sacred geometry that went into all of the architecture throughout the Gothic period, the Renaissance period, the understanding of putting geometrical shapes into buildings. Like, you know, that whole thing when you walk through a square door, oh my God, why did I forget what I was looking for? Because it's not actually built at a, at an arcal shape. It's not built with any sort of like, uh, real to it right because we don't live in that the boxes and the cubes that we are put in does put us in a kind of mousetrap you know truman show thing when you put yourselves in circles right like when the whole thing with the rotunda experience when they have these services um the political people are put into rotundas right all the U.S. Capitol buildings are rotundas for a specific reason. It's because the spirit whirls and it's an ascension process. The ascension itself happens through the eye of the Oculus, they call it, of the rotunda of these buildings. And this goes back to the ancient understanding of the sacred geometrical shit that we're talking about. And so it all is the micro versus the macro. And this Merkaba could be, I mean, Earth is a Merkaba. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm done. That was fucking amazing, Romy. You just made my nipples so hard, bro. Why you saying that? Because it's so fuck. Like that is that's some black belt shit right there, bro. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> you were gonna say something, Gabe? Is Merkaba? That's a six pointed star, too, right? Six around one, yeah. Yeah, six Merkaba, Thelema. Um, I just read something today that like um, George Washington wanted a six pointed stars on the United States flag, but Betsy Ross talked him out of it and talked him into a five pointed star. And there's such like the symbolism of those two stars and how different they are and like everything that you look into. Um, it's just interesting, like how much uh, power and weight could be on flags over everything. I think flag magic is so real though. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I, I add something to, to what you throw out about the 47th proposition of Euclid? Yeah. Or of Pythagoras, <laughs> Pythagoras probably didn't actually exist, but Okay, so it's the basis of trigonometry, right? It is the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the squares or whatever in triangles, right? Right. Right. So you all realize that how a sextant works? Do you know what a sextant is? No one said we're going to be doing math tonight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, sextant, I mean, it made me think of this because we're talking about six things with six and we brought up the 47th proposition and all that. Sextant is a device that allows someone to triangulate a, their, a distance between themselves and a landmark that they can see using a point above and a point a, a far away and then the, making a triangle like that. Uh, a sextant allows you to do that. It's a, it shows you the arc mm. of the, the distance or whatever. And like, I'm probably, I'm just trying to make this quick, but the point is for a sextant to even work, the, and it can work for really long distances. They use this for, for marin, marinating. <laughs> Mariners use this. I mean, it's how they were able to figure out their location in the middle of the empty sea uh, using stars like that. Sextant requires 
a right triangle, which means the bottom third of this triangle has to be a flat line. It cannot be, there can't be curvature for a sextant to work. What are you trying to get at, bro? You tell me, like, why do sextants work <laughs> if we're on a ball? I don't know. You tell me. What are you trying to get at, dude? Proposition to you <laughs> demonstrates that, though. I have, That's I have something to add on to that. what Romy was saying with Francis Yates and the art of memory. And I recently sent that to Mario along with two, some, with two other books on memory palaces. But you know who he wrote about as well, bro? Who Francis Gates was a lady, by the way, bud. Or him, her, he, she, her for that, whatever. You know what they wrote about? Huh? St. Augustine. <gasps> you dare the St. Augustine. In. Tied it back in, exactly, because St. Augustine was trained in the art of rhetoric. And uh, I'm gonna find the quote, but he pretty much talks about that about walking into a piece of architecture and pretty much building a mind palace. He was trained in that. He studied that. And St. Augustine, obviously, hello, St. Augustine, Florida, the oldest city in the United States. And that's what I was going to say. What does that say about St. Augustine, Florida, founded by the Spanish, right? Because we were talking about geomancy and now we're talking about stars. And what is in St. Augustine but the first American star fort? Um, mm-hmm. at least by the Spanish. I won't say by anyone else, but St. Augustine has a star for it. I've been to it. I actually still have the card. I'll mail it to anybody uh, that wants to get into it. It's a national park, so you can get info free. Uh, but either way, it's like, what the fuck? Okay, so we're talking about stars. We're talking about uh, geomancy magic and all these things, but we're talking about... Um, we're t- I don't even know what the fuck we're talking about, but yeah, St. Augustine has a star about flat Earth. Flat <laughs> Earth, apparently. I think that was the original <laughs> thing. We're in such a great weave, guys. Keep, just keep it going. Well, so I'm gonna bring up this this uh, quote by Yates because I really liked it, but I have to look for it now. And anyways, keep talking while I look this up because it, it was very it, it was. Pertaining to what we're talking about, but the other really great work. Well, Francis Yates, I found out about Francis Yates while trying to look up her, you know, more stuff on hermeticism. Francis Yates was this um, profound. She was, it was like the Helena Plavatsky of America um, and of the 20th century. Um, Oh no, the 21st century actually, because it was in the 1970s. It was like a hermetic revival in the 1970s. And Francis Yates was writing very scholarly like books on incredibly deep topics. So it's like some, the only person in the 21st century, in my opinion, that is writing the, like the HP Blavatsky level of like, holy shit, you're breaking down hermeticism on a, fucking dope level and the art of memory. So yeah, Francis Yates, big shout out, rest in peace, RIP, you feel me. So I have it here, and this is really interesting. Catholic theologians generally subscribe to Augustine's belief that God exists outside of time in the eternal present, that time only exists within the created universe because only in space is time discernible through motion and change. That's fucking beautiful. But Francis Yates, she... Uh, so his meditations on the nature of time are closely linked to his consideration of the human ability of memory 
Francis Yates in her 1966 study, The Art of Memory, argues that a brief passage of the Confessions, in which Augustine writes of walking up a flight of stairs and entering a, the vast fields of memory, clearly indicates that the ancient Romans were aware of how to use explicit spatial and architectural metaphors as a mnemonic technique for organizing large amounts of information. So these guys... I dude, that's fucking interdimensional shit right there. You fucking walk into the vastness of memory. Dude, what were you doing, bro? Were you designing buildings? And not only that, but if you go and look at these tombs of these elite societies in Yale, one of them is like what? What do they call it? The most accurate Greek uh, replica of some temple somewhere. I forgot the the name of the temple, but it's like super accurate to the T, the most accurate one in the, in the United States. Like, what are you trying to, what are you trying to get at? Because, uh, back to central Florida, the, the mound builders, or uh, was it already there? Same I think they, from the similar civilization. I don't know. Just wondering. They, yeah. Well, whatever. That's what, that's what Wikipedia said. The central, the, the, these people, these indigenous people of central Florida, there was these, uh, the bell glades culture is what they call it. And, Bellglades, unfortunately, is like one like one of the worst ghettos like in Florida, like the slums. But the mound builders of this area, they would build. It was the craziest shit. Like this blew my mind. They would build these mound structures in the shape of a hand, right? So it was like the palm, and then like it had like these platforms that go out, and every platform was to align to a different astrological event so different equinoxes and stuff like that but that's not the part that freaked me out the part that freaked me out was that these mound cultures were all over florida and these lines they would all point at each other like they were pointing at each other with these lines that they were building in these mounds that they were building in different parts of florida how did they how were they able to do i don't know but they understood astrology, they, uh, astronomy and astrology, because, I mean, all magic is goes back, Agrippa, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it goes back to the seven planetary spheres or lime spheres or fucking flying pancakes, whatever the fuck you want to see them as, whatever, hot dogs, whatever, pizzas. <laughs> but whatever is out there, you know, it goes back. To, <laughs> it goes back to this whole idea of planetary alignments. So yeah, that's that's it's another weave in there. This is what Neil my ass Tyson posted. Uh, I think that's what <laughs> All right, let me show you. Said, the average full moon is this, and the super duper moon, which is tonight, is that. So I don't. It's not me that's coming up with this pizza shit. That these the priest. Oh, the, I want to throw some more some it. more pizza in here. Some more Florida pizza links, <laughs> and, and it ties to St. Augustine too. If we want to really stretch it, so. St. Augustine also had the first Catholic church, the first church in the entire state of Florida. And since it was established by the Spanish, it was essentially Catholic church. And there's, especially when you get down to South Florida, there's a very strong sort of Roman Catholic, a Roman, <laughs> a Roman Catholic sort of like um, um, community that's been, you know, incredibly successful in the very deep South there. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the originator of um, Domino's Pizza for modern day, uh, Tom Monahan. I think he's like a hardcore Roman Catholic and he built an entire city called Ave Maria, 
which uh, is a replication of another city, I think, up north called Ave Maria. But he kind of created this entire community, um, a huge cathedral and everything. It's kind of funny because right in the center <laughs> of Ave Maria, there's like this huge cathedral. And then right next to it's a fucking Domino's restaurant because he's the guy that made Domino's. And I remember last time I went there, the, the most fun thing to do was walk around and just go just chanting at people in the cathedral going, Domino's! And <laughs> pizza pod. <laughs> but it's, it's so weird because you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. You're driving and it's just like all Everglades and just like, you know, Marsh. And then there'll be like a Seminole Indian casino. And then all of a sudden it's like, you go into like like a medieval sort of uh, Italy where there's like you know all these old kind of Renaissance Tuscan looking villas and like a, a big old cathedrals. It's a really mm. surreal place to be. What a trip! This is weird as hell, dude. I did not know. About this. <laughs> yeah, you've never heard. Yeah, look at this thing, bro. This thing is. Did crazy. I even know about that fucking place? <laughs> what the fuck, really? Domino's. This is the Domino's guy. This is the Domino's guy. Yeah, no, if there, if he is a culture. I want to see it with the Domino's. And if you just rotated a little bit, there's a fucking Domino's, you know, pizza place right in there. <laughs> this guy is next level occult, bro. Holy shit. Like, you don't just go out here and be building buildings. Look at that. It looks like a keyhole. If you look yeah. at it, from, it also looks like the fucking uh, van. This, van this was like, the, this was like that one looks life, like an egg. Life goal here. It is from above. He wanted to come to. to this uh it's i think it's in collier county he wanted to come to collier county and build oh. this entire community and the school and the church and everything and he, and he did it you know what a fucking weirdo he did it this is actually a really this is a smaller version of if you look up the experimental prototype city of tomorrow which is the original ebcot idea not the ebcot mm. amusement park that we have but the actual walt disney um, it's pretty much a small version of his exact scale when you look at it. And the other funny thing about if you look at Walt Disney standing by the original Epcot plans for what a town would look like, it looks like CERN. Well, it's yeah, like it that's like the experimental oh. prototype for the community of tomorrow. I think. I think yeah. that's what it stood for. So, can I add something to again to the idea of Florida mirroring realities? Last time we we talked about it was the two pillars, you know, Florida and California. Uh, coincidentally enough, Disneyland in California is in Orange County. Disney World in Florida is in Orange County. You have the mirroring. Now that guy in the the fudged identity of Florida brought up the idea that Hollywood always leaves Florida for a sequel. And he talked about how the first Godfather and that ties in fucking Nick Cage, Coppola, right? The first Godfather was in California, but Godfather two was in, in Florida. You have the original Scarface. It was based in Chicago, but it was shot in California. Then the remake with Tony Montana is in fucking Miami. You know, in Florida. Bro, so again, you have this flipping of realities, but we got to understand that Florida was the last frontier. So it was one of the states to go and be founded last. So we have to start digging into other shit that relates to it because we have the two pillars and maybe Texas is a portal. Who the fuck knows? But maybe some weird shit's going on in Texas. We might have to go out there and see what the fuck is up. Uh, apparently Cthulhu is somewhere to, in there. I think it's a portal to Mexico. 
<laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> well, there's there's the things you know in shamanism or, or galactic shamanism or, or what have you, and other theologies. What or, the fuck is that? And it has <laughs> Palestine, Texas. There's Tyler, Texas, where you go into the supercomputer idea. There's a what? lot going on in Texas. Oh, but it's a fun little so, rabbit hole. So, so much. Waco. I mean, te- Texas is nuts. But I was going to say that the the X, you know, like. The X points, X points are like these points in the fabric of, you know, just whatever the fabric of dimensional frequencies, there's X points are where uh, frequencies can come there. So Texas, you know, like X marks a spot. If you look oh. up what X, X parts are, X points are online, you'll be able to have a, have a real like actual science definition of what it is. But um, I was talking to this lady, Gwilda Wayaka. Brand new Patreon episode, everybody. <laughs> but uh, eight minute long meditation track in front of it. Only three bucks a month. Anyways, um, <laughs> she she's like trained in shamanism and a bunch of other types of shamanism. And uh, she she was telling me, she was like, well, do you want to talk about X? Because she, she's been practicing shamanism for so long. And she's like this, this like old white lady with like bright red hair. Like looks like she would be literally the principal of my elementary school, but she's trained in Tibetan shamanism, multiple indigenous native American ones anyways. But now she runs this podcast where she just talks to scientists. And so she brings, she takes all of her shamanistic knowledge into physics. And so I was like, wow, that's fucking fascinating. And uh, anyways, X points. So what you're saying, what, cause we kind of alluded to in the original Florida episode was there was all of these mirror symbolisms between Florida and California. They're both these oblong states that like have just so much of this strange dichotomy going on. They both it's, got Hollywoods. Exactly. Got, yeah. So what I'm gonna, oh shit. I forgot about that. They have Hollywood gonna, and they put, uh, isn't that where the brand new huge guitar is that uh hard rock with the light. What yeah. the fuck? Ooh, I don't know about that. But I know that, okay, so the original uh, Disneyland is on the, it's on a 33rd parallel and the, it apparently runs directly on a line. The entrance, this was the design by Walt was the entrance is knowingly on a magnetic ley line, very powerful one and chosen in that, that area. And so it leads to this carousel. The gates, you go through the big gates of, of Disneyland, you walk in there and it's just like, oh my God, everyone's like, I feel so good. Well, he designed it to have this energy go to the carousel and then the carousel goes up. It has this big pole in the middle of the carousel and it spins. It's supposed to spin this electromagnetic energy and kind of almost create like this dome shape around the Disneyland. And when you look at the aerial aerial map of what Disneyland it is, it's shaped in a, in a round right to keep that energy like the rotunda and everything we were talking about and so i'm wondering what is the mirror of that in disney world because i don't know but i'm asking if anybody does know of what the magnetic anomalies are over there i've never looked into that but that'd be like the california equivalent yeah or the florida equivalent oh okay 
I would say that when you walk in to Disney, you get Cinderella's castle. That would be the like center point of Walt Disney World. But Walt Disney World in Florida is the size of a poker table if Walt Disney Land was the size of a poker chip. So the (laughs) shapes that are going on and how different it is, is a whole entire different Well, Epcot's definitely a huge circle, but right in the middle of Epcot is a huge uh, lake. That, that yeah. kind of like mirrors everything else. They always have to have a mirror upon. There you go. Yeah, there's Epcot right there in the center. You can see that huge lake in the middle of it. It's That's so one of Mickey's you balls. Can see the curvature of the Earth. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Yeah, Chance, pull up, pull up that picture. The last, the latest one I just sent you. I think so. I want to reveal something that I've talked about it before. So we have. Here we go. Uh, Obviously, we have John D doing some shit in front of Elizabeth, but I want you guys to I want to draw your attention to the what is at the upper right hand corner there. If you see. So we have the alligator. Okay, that's a sneaky fucking gator. So voodoo. Okay, yeah. So check it out. Right. So we have John D doing some stuff. All right. And if you x-ray this painting, the actual original artist he it wasn't that it was actually a ring of skulls around the floor they x-rayed this painting after the fact that he had uh, reworked it because it was too occultic you know when they first did it now flip to the to the card chance so this is manly hall okay this is the augustus snap deck now we what do we see here we see here the alligator again we have this Reptile. This is a deck that was worked on by uh, Augustus uh, uh, Knapp and Manly P. Hall. And I think I unlocked the secrets to what he was getting at here. So go ahead and roll the video, Chance. Hold on. I got to point out that's an L and an F. Left foot. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. That's an F and an L. There you that's go. The fool. Florida man. We found the OG Florida man. Florida man got, is the fool. I got more though. Can you play the video chance? There you go. Hey buddy. What'd you guys name him? Barry. Barry. Hey Barry. <laughs> so. I got food. <laughs> I don't know what Joey is. This is Barry. He is my newest family member. So I think the secret to to this is at the higher levels of being a Florida man. And I've achieved that by having a pet alligator now. So now essentially I have a pet alligator. His name is Barry. And I think that's part of the puzzle, I got to figure out how to alchemically use this alligator in my alchemical workings, but I have a pet gator now and I'm not, this is fucking true shit. All right. This is real life shit. I have a pet gator. If I stand outside the circle pond there, he comes out and he likes treats. I swear to God, this is not even a joke. <laughs> like I have a pet gator now, like a hundred percent. Like I'm not even lying. That's fucking amazing. So Juan D. <laughs> so i think i think that i'm slowly working my way towards the secrets 
Did you see that Andrea said that LeFou is Gaston's buddy in Beauty and the Beast? Really? Well, he's the, the, so the fool, the fool is at the edge of the universe. He is looking into the abyss. He is, you know, you have the dog gnawing and, and some cards they, he is pulling down, exposing the ass. When you expose your, your, your private parts, you're opening up yourself, uh, almost as a sort of initiation. You're opening yourself up. Magic is in the butt. Keep that in mind. Coming soon to a comic book near you. So, uh, anyways, yeah. I have a ghost uh, story with, uh, uh, I have to tell you this because I'm, I'm just going to say it. So, I was um, living at this place and there was a farm and I was doing woofing and I was doing work trade. Um, what that meant was there was a lot of other woofers around and I, I, I didn't get a lot of alone time. Well, this property was actually dug out of a hillside and there was a bunch of structures that they found. This guy thought he was buying basically a vacant lot, but then found out it was an old nursery. And they, they dug out all this, like a pond and a, and like a two story house and like all these structures. Fucking crazy, right? Like he literally got this super cheap property. This is also, by the way, in Hawaii. Wait, so, what? He was yeah. digging out structures? Yeah, basically pulling it back from the jungle, <laughs> cutting it out. And it was an old nursery, so it was terraced. There was ter- like it was all terraced property. They had avocado trees, mango trees, lychees, mangosteens, all the things. And um the thing is is, you know, the island is like there's a lot of spirits going on, bro. I mean, let's be honest. And um, so I was on the property alone. And one thing that I always kind of have to do when I'm alone is get naked as soon as possible and then hop in some water. <laughs> and so I was just like, I'm taking a shower. And so I go and I take a sweet shower, do so my it's just, thing. It's a Scorpio thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, like I, I've been practicing yoga for a while. It changed my life. Absolutely love it. So I, um, I'm familiar with the cat cows. Okay. <laughs> the cat cow position, you know, cause you just, I got like my spine is all fucked up. And, uh, and sometimes I'd be airing out, you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm airing out without a <laughs> towel. And so I'm just doing my thing in my room. And I was lying there kind of like just, you know, ass up face down, uh, texting. And just, this is what I do in my alone time. And, uh, I, I, and I don't know if it was a strong gust of wind or I was defiled by a ghost. I felt this. It was like this. Emotional, damn it. It was like fingers went into my ass. I jumped forward. I jumped forward. And looking back, I'm like, who the fuck just did that? No one's there. Like there was full on a penny trashing, dude. Like I'm telling you, I was defiled by a ghost. Was that one of the first times you did yoga? <laughs> oh no. fuck! This is my face I, hurts. The thing is, though, <laughs> you know, like some of the the origins of yoga has <laughs> to do with like creating the right configuration in a vessel to bring in a entities. It's a thing. I don't know, man. It sounds like you got a sphincter. Can you imagine, guys. though, if like some <laughs> other person in this space at a different time, they're just like sitting there watching TV and then all of a sudden they like smell Ghost shit. 
<laughs> a fucking ghost thing just fucking hit some of the face. Like a ghost just did, like a ghost just stuck their fingers in your butt just so they could stink finger somebody else. Like uh, it might be like two decades from now, but somebody's just going to be sitting on a couch like, did I just smell shit? <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I, Illuminati confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's SBL, (laughs) Jerry. That's that's that ghost right there, bro. He whispered in your ear. He's just like, you know, Illuminati confirmed. It could be like your your spirit serpent opening up. I'm sure it was opening your up. Your root chakra. You just needed to expose your root chakra a little more. Oh, sweet Lord. Uh, okay, can I ask you guys a question? Uh, uh, take take a break, bro. No, take a break, Romy. I want to ask you this. This is a simple question. Now we're kind of back in at John D. So. Is, it, is the ghost in the room now? <laughs> Blink if you're in trouble, bro. <laughs> Sorry, man. You, you, you do your thing. I'm just okay. Dying. Okay. Fucking funny story. Also so, doubling. So the the works of New Atlantis was written by Francis Bacon, right? But it was never actually fully finished. But we know that this conquest was really started by his original teacher of John D. This idea to uh, expand the British Empire, right? So there's this theory that uh, that Atlantis itself has always been a fortune telling that it was not seeing into the past or stories of the past, but a story of prophecy and a story of a potential future, even on the way back of Plato. Now I'm asking you guys, you know, cause I mean, I've, John D was telling Francis Bacon this and they were able to actually see in some sort of veil of time, whether in the past or the future, and they had this concept of of Atlantis. Do you guys think that there's a potential that Atlantis never existed, and it is what we live in now, and this is the the high tech Atlantean age? I think that most likely we'll eventually be able to fully conclude that it's astrotheology. Uh, man, just when when we get this audiobook done for a God's Acre for Winds of the Soul, and when we drop the Dylan Sicosio interview that I just did last night. Going to drop that tomorrow. We'll be putting a few of the keys down for this, but like we're not the first people to make this statement. There've been researchers for hundreds of years saying this, but the fucking majority of history is encoding mythology and astrotheology and is probably mostly not real at all. And my thinking here is that when the conquerors come in, they just wipe shit out entirely. And there's a few hundred year people or a period where they're like just beating the, the slaves down and giving them their new language and traumatizing the hell out of them and programming them with their whole new culture. That that period of a few hundred years is where they insert astrotheology and mythology and call it real history because they don't want to tell you what really happened at that point in time where they were just genocide and fools. That's where I'm at with it. And I, I think, think most of the these stories cities? of the ancient world are probably something along those lines. What do you think about like the sunken city off Cuba? I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, I'm not saying there wasn't or Japan. a civilization, 
that, you know, I'm not saying there wasn't like a globe spanning globe <laughs> world pancake, you know, pancake spanning civilization. I'm not saying so that. It is flat. I'm There's just still saying movement like, in some way, shape or form. It's, it's, there is some, there is some movement. Just saying there has to be. It's a holographic projection, bro. Just, it's, a, it's like a snow globe type of thing. Well, yeah, whatever though. I just am saying that like any of the versions that we get of like what the ancient past was are, is just so highly suspect. I'm just throwing out all. I'm pretty much done with anything history in terms of actually believing it, and I'm re- yeah, only looking at it for a symbolic version. value at this point. Uh, but what, what? And so when you say astrotheology, uh, you know, which is like a story of the stars or deities of the stars and correlations of like. The sh- you know, the shadows being casted down or whatever, you know, like, but what is your, what do you mean when you say astrotheology, like in the sense of, uh, you know, talking cosmically and, and how that is easily translatable? I mean, the, the simple system of the story in the stars and what the constellations are, that is what encodes, that is like the, the codex that allows you to understand and interpret the mythologies and, and systems and languages of all these different regions of the reality world across time. Yeah. So whatever pre precursor civilization or conquerors or holy sailors set this system up wherever it comes from. I think that the reason they used the sky for that is a, so that it would have some basis in nature and reflect nature in some way. And B because anywhere in the world you can see at least some of the stars, but also, you know, the, the Zodiac, as we get it now does kind of give you a clue as to where the systems come from because certain things are only visible in certain parts of the world. Right. And then some of the symbolism in the Zodiac and the constellations involve animals that are in some places and not in others, but you know, it's a bit of a digression there, but dudes, the Dylan Sicosio episode and premiere tomorrow night, it is it is so much fire. Y'all aren't ready. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm stoked, dude. Oh, man. Yeah. Because astrotheology is, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, it gets confusing when we're trying to figure out who the real creators of the original Zodiac and what story to line up to astrotheology, you know, because there's so many different correlations. There's not so many different correlations, but there are at least a couple different variations of the Zodiac itself. So, and different interpretations of what they mean symbolically. So I'm just, that's, that's a big one for me. Yeah. The guy who wrote Curious George redid the Zodiac. Whoa. The man in the yellow hat. And John D wanted to rework the calendar. So he wanted to get on the, I believe the Gregorian calendar at one point, but he died before that could happen. I think um, Augustine and Augustus, August, that beginning (laughs) is like royal birth. So it lets you know, like even the St. Augustine of it all might not have been him at all. He's just getting credit for a big, huge thing because he was of royal birth. Yeah, and uh, the in the Celtic tradition, Agam is the name for the secret language, the coded language, the the Argao. The, There's the that Argao, yeah, the green language. Yeah, that's called Agam. Yep, sounds and, a lot like Augustine or yes. Augustus. And the Argus uh, minor decan is uh, the last decan in Cancer, just before you enter into Leo. 
uh, and it is a ship. It's a vessel, which language is often called a vessel of the spirit of ideas. Whoa. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Thanks, Jenny, for uh, sharing us this ancient Italian taxidermied crocodile. Well, another reason um, oh, wow. Wow. for like you could, all the Why fashion is it houses. There? Think back it. to the picture that Juan showed of the John D. painting. This is the yeah. reptilian in a church. What the yeah. hell? You now I feel like Ave Maria needs one of those hanging from the uh, the rafters, right? They, they probably got one right across the street anyway. The Mary. The Sky Gate. The Sky Gator. Sky <laughs> <laughs> the X point, you see how it crossed right there? Oh, uh, Cheney was about to say something. Yes, go, go, go. Oh, I totally forgot now. Oh, <laughs> you know, like something all, about the alligator. All and L, Allah, that's the like one of the terms for the God. And the priests are the gatekeepers, the intermediaries between you and the God. You know, they're the Allah gators. <laughs> oh, I was um, I was wondering the alchemy of like fashion houses are big, huge wars that I think the fashion house just represents the front of a big, huge, powerful family. So Yo. we if we were all gods, we would try to get um, and just the six of us live 6000 years at one point in our ego trip. We'd be like, I want the most people to have my label on them. Yeah, fuck so Thomas. Nike's like everybody wear Nikes and Gucci's like everybody do this and everybody do that. But a big, huge thing with the alchemy, if we're talking about cotton and hemp and things like that, it would also be feathers and reptile skin, snake and gator and things of this nature. So if you could show prowess by having it would be the same way, like having an elephant in your um possession in Europe somewhere, it would be some kind of prowess to have something like that. So if one of your sailors went to some far off land, whether it's um, Australia or Africa or Florida, and they bring you a crocodile or a gator, this is such a weird thing to be there, you know? Uh, So I think it would be a prowess symbol too, uh, to wear it or have it. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Like Nick Cage collecting all the weird shit that he collects. It's so like, now like every gas station in Florida, you can get like a little alligator head on the way out. <laughs> right, right. You're it's not like, a real Floridian, I think, unless you have one of those gator heads. It's, it's, I mean, I you guys don't gator. have one? Yeah, you have a real gator. <laughs> you yeah. guys don't have a gator head in your possession? At one point, I mean, everybody's been to Gatorland, right? I mean, at one point in time, yeah. I've been there and I did get one when I was a kid, probably in second grade. But yeah, now I stepped it up and that's the... You know, they talk about the Eleusinian mysteries or we're talking about the Florida man mysteries where the higher levels of initiation need you to have a pet gator. So I think that's where I'm stepping towards in my initiation. I needed the gator in order to pass on to the Mm -hmm. to the higher levels. You know what I mean? My grandfather was the first or one of the first uh, licensed gator hunters in Florida, in the state of Florida. Um, but he yeah. just was a guy that would go get gators out of everyone's yard because he wasn't scared of them at all and knew how to handle <laughs> gators and it was no big deal. And then the state of Florida is like, oh, because at one point they were being overrun by gators. So they needed to pay people to go get gators. And then gators became an endangered species. And so then you weren't allowed to hunt gators at really? all. Yeah, yeah then they needed gator like aid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, That's but there beautiful. was a lot of times that I'd walk out and on the in the uh, carport, there'd be a gator with its hands and feet duct tape behind its back. And it's holding a hostage. <laughs> no, they were about to kill it, but it would just be alive there. Or they'd sit me on it because the back, you know, it's all gators are kind of weak once they're they're not like other animals. Like you can hold their whole mouth shut with your fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, there, there's a big fear of them, but really it's like, I mean, they, you have a potential of definitely getting fucked up from a gator, but they're, they're not. You can't underestimate the gator. You got to know the gator. That's where people, they're just like, look at me sitting at the water's edge. All Floridians know you don't sit at the water's yeah. edge. <laughs> yeah. Barry's uh, cute as fuck though. He's, he's a, he's a good boy. And he likes it when you rub between his, the back of right here, like the back of the eyes area, he'll close his eyes up because he enjoys that. So he's a good too. boy. He's not going to be. We got to get rid of that motherfucker. <laughs> well, anyone that's been to Gatorland knows all you got to do is turn a gator on its back for like 10 seconds and it falls asleep. What? Oh. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. Any, oh, any I alligator. It's the weirdest freaking thing, man. But if you put an alligator on its back after like 10 or 15 seconds, I don't know if it's the blood or something, <laughs> but they'll just pass out. And that's why that's why they can like do all the crazy, you know, stuff they do with them at Gatorland is they're essentially asleep while they're doing most of that shit. So I'm wondering what this esoteric or alchemical symbolism is that we're finding with this the alligator stuff here, because, you know, you, the, what you just said about the elder blood rushing to their head and making them pass out makes me think that makes it easy to maybe harvest their blood to use for some sort of ritualistic practice or what right. is the, what's the symbol it's, of it's called, of it's it. called tonic immobility. And uh, I don't know if it's even been fully explored yet. Uh, yeah, oh, my quick search on it is that giving me the info that like, uh, we don't actually know why that happens, but it happens to several different kinds of animals. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sharks, when people are like, punch it in the nose, poke it in the eye. And it's like, no, just flip it over. Like if you if there's any kind of way that you can rub under it and turn it, it'll do that same thing where it does a trance, like falls and asleep. A, a great just, white shark. Well, people to- say like you can rub it too. Like it does something weird to, uh, well, I mean the same with your same philosophy, you're going to try to punch it. A great white shark is <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, you know, like all the other options, but it's like maybe higher in mercury. Maybe their bloods are higher in mercury. So when they distill it and they make the stone from the blood, they're able to actually extract specific types of special metals. <laughs> Well, you no, okay, the so sound Jen, of the joint hitting right after that statement was just like <laughs> the fucking cherry on top of that. Right? <laughs> uh, in the call-in line, the vibrant call-in line on Telegram, Jim Bruce is dropping all kinds of floating gators. Is, uh, <laughs> well, so it, it symbolizes the younger alchemist in his workshop from 1650. Those have to be crocodiles. There's no fucking way on the planet. Those are alligators. They've got to be crocodiles. Oh, I was yeah. kind of thinking that and my um like they're a little too long of a nose. Um, but the symbology still feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they run like relatively same family lizard people. They got to, they got to, that's a big fucking crocodile. God damn. That looks like my, so this takes us back to, we were talking trapezoids, truncated pyramids, talking about the trapezoid. That's the 
that's an order, an offshoot that Michael Aquino created for the Temple of Set. And Set is the crocodile, or the, uh, yeah, the crocodile god, you know? So the reset, the, the great reset. The one that weighs your soul, right? Isn't that him? No, that's, cro- that's Amit. Who's the crocodile-headed dog? Who's that? Is that a god or is that... He eats Amit, you. Amit does the weighing of the heart. Which she's like a female yeah. croc-headed goddess. She's kind of not that important in the in the coffin text in the Book of the Dead, but also later on there were some versions where Anubis did the, the weighing ceremony. Yeah, but somebody but eats you. Typhon. Set is the... The big bad, like boss battle for Jesus. He's the set Satan character. I, I sent you another link too that's got a whole bunch of more of this uh, crocodile alligator imagery. And one of the the notes in here, and uh, Romy, this goes back to some of that Francis Yates, where the uh, the globe theater was essentially. I think Yates says in her book, Memory Power, the Art of Memory, that the um, the globe theater is like the quintessential best example of modern day uh even to this day of of a recreation of an actual memory palace and there's a quote at the end of this page here that says that in romeo and juliet william Shakespeare is describing an apothecary shop and he says that in his needy shop a tortoise hung an alligator not crocodile an alligator stuffed and other skins of ill-shaped fishes i thought that was interesting so i just want to point out that that was a fucking joke when i brought that up I was originally going to show the the tarot card, but then I I, I remembered that John D in that painting they have the alligator. So I was like, oh, let me fucking throw that in there. And that looks like John D with the white beard, black cap. Yeah, that's, that's Edward Kelly behind him talking oh. about how he's going to sleep with his wife. <laughs> he's like, I'm waiting for the knocking. He's already wearing his wife's dress. It's on a black cube. <laughs> Look at the little the little crystal balls on a black cube. Yeah, and that's yeah. the holy table. He's got the cube and the ball, the cube bala. Oh, <laughs> so that's okay. Cube. Okay, I was trying to. F- <laughs> Sorry. Malfunction. <laughs> but no, I was actually trying to find the um, the true origins of the name Cuba because I did get down stuck down the Cuba rabbit hole, like I was saying, and mm-hmm. I was obviously went down like I was like cube uh like it's got to have some sort of. Kabbalistic, you know, something because it was the first place discovered here, you know, supposedly. So, has anyone got any juice on the Cuba name? Yes. The original Quabala, where how you can have it, the Q, the K, and it's that. That's how you say Cuba. Like, it's not Cuba. The phonetic way. Yeah. It's like, it's not how it's like, now I feel like I've said Quabala in Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I can't even say it. Well, one one thing to point out is that uh, you know Cuba is the uh, hub of the sugar, uh, mm-hmm. a cartel. Yeah. The sugar yep. cartel is a very good way to choose to describe that history. Is a cartel, um, and that they put sugar in the shape of a cube. Oh, sugar cube! You get in my face! With- oh, sorry, wrong button. You motherfucker! That sugar Cuba, dude. What yes. the fuck? And and uh, uh, molecularly, sugar uh, when it's treated the way they treat it, it uh, has a cube uh, shape to it, and it's Trust. molecular structure. 
as well. The tea rose, the Tudor right. rose. Look and at this, the ritual of that you use a sugar cube for in everything, whether it's tea, whether, and especially back in the day, the further went back, you would use the alchemy of certain kind of chinas. And usually the chinas were rimmed with certain kind of heavy metals, mercuries, gold, silvers. And then yep. you would um, have a certain spoon, usually made of like a silver, and then you would melt the sugar absinthe. Um, you inject it, right? And Queen Elizabeth was addicted to sugar and also sugar cane fields here in Florida. Florida is known by her proper name, Queen Elizard Beast. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so, yeah, I think sugar is part of that thing, too. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure this out. The problem with this topic is that it is never ending. There is no end because... It's just on and on and you keep pulling at that thread and you're going to just go down these crazy rabbit holes. Like one of the crazy rabbit holes I went down was you're talking about Cuba. Well, one of the things that stood out to me was uh, they talk about how Florida is unable to mix, you know, in the 90s when I was reading that article that it's unable to mix the the cultures together. Right. And all this stuff. And it talks about how in Texas you have Tex-Mex. Right. Because it's Texans and the Mexicans. And then what he called it here in Florida was flow cube. And I thought that was interesting because he was talking about the Floridian population mixing with the Cuban population. You know, again, this is uh, towards the end of the 80s and all this stuff like that. You have all these immigrants coming in and stuff. So flow cube. I was like, that's an interesting way to put it. I mean, sure, whatever. But yeah, just and a really quick, since you mentioned sugar and we're talking Florida, I always thought it was interesting. The original form of sugar was something called a sugar loaf, which is like a little a uh, sugar cone shape, not a, a cube. Oh, yeah, there's and the, the cone. There's and the cone of Enoch. There's and the highest point on the peninsula of Florida is actually called Sugar Loaf Mountain, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. All right, I got confirmed. I got something on that. I'll be honest like, with you. I'm kind of retarded. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what is the first phonetic in flow? Or in Florida is flow, right? Uh in other languages, like the Saxon languages, the word for flow would be like loop, laup, lauv. Uh, actually, in Saxon specifically, loaf becomes hlaf. So loof, loop, and loaf are actually like philologically, etymologically, etymologically the same word because P and V interchange and L's become H's. So anyway, like the loaf, the sugar loaf is yes. very connected to the same idea in language, etymologically, philologically, as flow. Yeah. Thought that's interesting. And also, the word sugar can is an anagram for Argus, bringing it full circle back to the Argo. Holy shit, it is. Of the conversation. Yes. <laughs> in American Gods, they depict the all, this all seeing eye. Uh, deity figure Argus. He's covered in eyeballs. He's got a hundred eyeballs. Uh, he is like the central intelligence agency's uh, cy- cybernetic no see, mm-hmm. see all seeing eye essentially uh, Argus. But there it is again with that Argo, that coded language, which is very closely, clearly connected to Kabbalah in the cube of Cuba in the sugar cartel in all of its history. Bro, I literally sugar cartel. I mean, that's one of the most addicting things that this fucking country has with Coke, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, 
all that shit, you know, monster, all those fucking things. The main thing that relates them all is sugar. Yeah, the sugar lobbyists beat the cocaine lobbyists when it came to uh, Coca-Cola. I stay healthy, aspartame only. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, also uh, the other thing about like common sugar used in uh, mass-produced whatever factory foods you'd call it are they might call it bone or they might call it natural carbon (laughs) in their ingredients list if they even involve it in their ingredients list but charred bones are actually where the sugar cane gets the white color yes i have a vegan wife (laughs) (laughs) yeah i learned that when i was vegan like you you can't fuck with most sugar organic sugar doesn't use the bone char but yeah, bone char, animal bone bones. char. Yeah, yeah it's char, what makes sugar white. It's the thing that bleaches the sugar out and really makes it the whitey white color. That it. What the fuck? Yeah, How do so we, like, uh, this whole ritual also has, you know, I feel like bones were part of this conversation a couple, yeah, you know, hours. And there is long bone. We've been here. How long? Have Anything we been here? like that? <laughs> like think of the things in our lifetime they've tried to make dangerous to us: cholesterol, fat. Don't eat meat. Don't eat vegetables. Yeah. Don't eat. You know, eggs have became a villain for a while. Like everything's been a villain, but sugar. If you open a package like this, there's sugar in it. it like our parents <laughs> used to just be able to buy milk, and it was just milk. Now it's sugar in just your normal milk whatever you're buying from the store now has sugar in it like the sugar lobby is it's got to be one of the strong those are lizards 100 percent. i got i got three uh ones on so someone brought up the bone char so bone char is also used in uh oil refinement so it's it's a daily and i always like bringing up that oil is just refined or it's just concentrated sunlight that's been buried under Mm -hmm. the earth Mm-hmm. So bone char is used to refine, you know, this, this concentrated sunlight bone char is actually coated on the outside of the NASA solar orbiter. I believe like they actually use um, a form of bone char that they apply to the outside of it. And I'm pretty sure that the black ball and the Freemasonic voting ritual, when someone gets blackballed, that black ball was made out of bone char originally. Ooh. Oh, Damn. Okay. All right. Man, what a ritual, too. All right. All right. Let's. Uh, I'm going to bring in the death card real quick. You know, we we talked about this when we did the Florida breakdown on you know on Juan's channel. Let's see. Uh, so, Gabe, in, because in the context of everything we're saying right now, I think we should re re-examine the death card is Florida the death card on your thing or I thought it was the hangman. Oh, it's, it's both. Florida. It's oh, both. well, hangman also, I think is pretty rad because this is the 47th episode and the hangman's doing 40 represent 47 mm-hmm. with his legs. Yes. That's that wasn't awesome. even intentional. Yeah. <laughs> so here we're talking about bone char and sugar and look at this white horse. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm, it's amazing how we've given a whole new context that I never had before to this uh, this horse. And look at the, how the saddle, you guys can see my mouse. The saddle has this strange corner of a canted square here. I'm just thinking about all these ingredients for our conversation. And I'm about to choke on something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. 
Wow. Got the two towers in the back there. Can you bring up the map, Gabe? Because I have something for you for that. After I die, one sec. <laughs> Dead. You need the heart attack gun. And I think I've heard before that, uh, and I'm sure that there's something to this, but on the tarot, whenever you see a horse with its leg up, like the direction that it's pointing, the leg always has like some specific meaning to it. Well, that's that's why we have the map, and I want to... Yeah. <clears throat> oh, man, I think I'm losing my voice. They're zapping me. NSA's zapping me. Yeah, I told you. So uh, a horse with its hoof up means that it won in battle, artistically, mm. in art. It means it uh, it had a victory. It's a victorious horse. I'll see if I can pull up the map. Give me a sec. Huh, so death has nothing but victory. Well, death is always certain. I mean, when you're yeah. born, you're automatically dying. It's the only thing that's certain here in this Your life. Your companion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of paradoxical. And that adds to the quotes that that, that I'm pulling from this uh, article. Another one that I really liked was, let me pull it up here, uh, promise and closure, inauguration, fulfillment, beginning and ending, such combination. Such combinations make the image of Florida paradoxical because you have people who come here to what? To fucking die. I mean, you know, everybody comes here to retire. It's the it's the their their last front, their last frontier. Essentially, they want to die in peace. And uh, but then you have people who are born here every day, too. So and they're going to live their life. So you have this balance that just cancels itself out. You know what I mean? It's just in the center. And. Again, Florida is very interesting. I'm sure there we, we didn't even fucking talk about Jekyll Island or anything, but I mean, we could always do more of these episodes because I think they're fucking. I, can awesome. I get a close close weave on it? This one final weave. Are we doing sign outs? I'm sorry, I had to walk um, away. I had to had to do a thing. No, no, no I mean we'll get to that shit. in a minute. I mean, We're waiting for Gabe to pull up the the map because I have something for that. Yeah, maybe like three hours ish will be the place where we'll shoot to wrap up. I always think it's just more of a spell than I think. Like it's esoteric beyond the idea that we understand. But I do think it's so interesting that the Florida flag has in God we trust on it, the same as the Mississippi flag. And they're the only two flags with that on um, embedded on it. And I also think where they sat over the last uh, few years they were just different places than the rest of the country. Just Mississippi has 10 people that live there. But it's also um, the red cross across it, but it's the X marks the point that you were saying before with the X symbolism instead of the cross. There's also a pyramid on the, on the Florida flag or whatever uh, Juan was showing me earlier. There's a fucking pyramid there. Yeah, they show mountains in the fucking Florida seal and there are obviously no mountains here, but the indigenous people were mound builders and they built really huge mounds at, at one point that were just of everything, bone, animal bones. Uh, and Florida, uh, I was seeing that there, there was a video that I was watching where, because I think Romy was talking about like building on top of civilizations and in downtown Miami in one little piece, the guy was pointing out like, Hey, this was the original people's building here. You can see the stone here. Here is, you know, from the twenties and thirties, the road that they built, uh, here is, you know, this parking lot that they laid, you know, a few years ago. And also the, the plastic tubing was introduced in the seventies. So here, so you have all these things just 
on top of one another. Like again, all these energies, cause we know energy can't be destroyed and uh, made or destroyed. You know, it's only can be transformed. So you have all these energy fields, you know, stacking on top of each other. And that's in Miami. I mean, and that was in like one little section. The guy was like, here's you. I'm like, dude, what about all these cities that they've built on top of Mountain, they stop full projects if they found like a toe bone of like an indigenous person and they stop the project. So, and I also think before all the politics were involved, like Key West and Cuba are so close to each other, even if if there is no seawater rise just right now as we sit, you would just be able to go there in a boat trip. It would be very normal for them to see mountains like it would be not a big deal for a Mm. person that was regularly in Florida to go and see an entire and look at all the island chains and how mountainous they are. So Mm. uh, especially in the Caribbean. So I just think it would have been very natural for them to take a boat, which is is also in the Florida seal over to one of those islands and see mountains for days. It's only 90 miles. The furthest point to Cuba, 90 miles. I don't know. If that's bang bang. I can see Cuba nine. from my house. For real? <laughs> no, it just oh, seems like, like a tight. Sarah Palin thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Palin. Oh my wow. I that was such a great time in history, right? Wasn't that right before the fucking complete fucking civil breakdown of this modernity? Sweet Lord. Anyways. I, all right, I want to read this thing. Talk Does anybody else uh, agree with the Mandela effect about Cuba geographically? What do you what's what's going on with the Mandela effect? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the map here, I'll pull it up. There are people that say they remember. Well, actually, let me get a bigger map, like uh, more under Florida, like more directly under Florida. That was actually further to the right and not as close to the Central America. I'm I'm gonna get a bigger. Mm -hmm. They should call it the Philadelphia Um, effect instead of the the one thing that I'll say (laughs) not to oppose anyone's Mandela. But one of the theories that I have is that the Gulf of Mexico was the biggest freshwater lake ever on the planet at one point. And so Cuba is exactly where it should be because it touched the Yucatan at one point. So Florida, all the way around to New Orleans, all the way down to Mexico, all the way across to Cuba, Haiti, all that. It would have all been the most magical place like the amount of magic that still exists with uh, like uh, voodoo and santeria and if you go up to any of these places so and and a lot of their native cultures all of their dress is so similar and a lot of and this is where even like the idea of atlantis way even past um like philosophers there's a whole culture in mexico that they said there was a great city to the east of them that they would talk about this crazy city way before it was ever written about in philosophy and Mm -hmm. um there's other uh south american tribes that would talk about the same culture existent you know just north of them so um if, if you even just look at it just in the simple form it's like you could see how they could blow up land or sink it and it would behoove the bad powers that be to take out such a massive freshwater lake yeah The Gulf of Mexico ain't right. If you're a Floridian and you're over, you're like, this water is just not right. (laughs) It's just not how it should be. You guys notice how the Gulf looks like a a octopus head. You know, looks like the the head of Cholulu, (laughs) which would make which would make Cuba its voice, its mouth, which is pretty interesting. Cholulu. 
Cholula speaks Kabbalah. <laughs> well, I, there's so much. The thing is, is there's so many. When I was looking into Cuba, I was trying to find just you know pre-Castro Cuban history is hard enough to find that 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 strange area between the Colombian discovery of Cuba and then the Fidel Castro because it's just been so much political shit show going on in Cuba forever and I wanted to wrap it back around to the mafia because and and Henry Flagler and sugar because you brought up sugar earlier I watched multiple documentaries on the sugar industry and the history of Cuba. And then also I found out that it was also the home of, of Milton Hershey. Hershey factory was also there. And um, so Henry Flagler was a fond of Cuba and he was on his way to Cuba after establishing all of Florida, he was going to go through the keys, build the Panama canal, which was an, an architectural feat, like nobody's business building an open, um, you know, railway through the Panama Canal was like, everybody was like, you're fucking crazy. Hell of people died, so on and so forth. But Henry Flagler finally made it to Cuba and he, um, he didn't build any of his hotels there, but there is a very famous hotel that is there that um, was built by the same architects. And let's see here. I'm just gonna, you guys have probably heard of this. I hadn't heard of this. But it blew it blew my mind because it just continues to show the uh, intrepacy of the political satire, if you will, for lack of a better term, currently uh, of, of, of Cuba. So the Havana Conference. Can you guys see this? Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Havana Conference uh, of 1946. Does anybody know about this already? Because I had no idea. No. No, but. Uh- HC Havana Conference HC. That's a six and a three. That's a six cubed. Um, what year did? Because something weird. I don't know if this is when it happened or not. But when we bought uh, Guantanamo Bay from Cuba, it's back to your gold thing and alchemy and stuff. We bought it for actual gold. Like the transfer of it was met actual metal. Well, uh, so I thought it was interesting. Lawfully I, I feel speaking, like the only there. way that land can actually transfer ownership is through purchase with precious metals. Like lawful yeah, that's what, huh? Yeah, you don't actually own something oh, wow. that you buy with debt notes that have no actual value <laughs> in nature. That's why they can. That's why they get your property tax out of you because you're really renting it. Trip out, actually. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So coins, keep your coins, eh? Hmm. Like I have, I have forty million dollars worth of copper inside these pennies from nineteen thirty three. All right, you fucking creep. Anywho, the Havana Conference uh, of nineteen forty six was a historic meeting of the United States Mafia and Costa Nostra leaders in Havana, Cuba, supposedly arranged by Charles Lucky Luciano. The conference was held to discuss important mob policies, rules, and business interests. The Havana Conference was attended by delegations representing crime families throughout the United States. The conference was held the week of December 22nd. That's the uh, winter solstice um, at the Hotel Nacional, which is the same architects that built Henry Flagler's hotels. 
The Havana Conference is considered to have been the most important mob summit since the Atlantic City Conference of 1929. That was right before uh, the thing with the alcohol uh, prohibition. Uh, Decisions made in Havana, which uh, prohibition directly correlated with Havana as well, because Cuba was one of the largest sugar uh, producers. And, you know, what was made rum too, I think, with yeah. sugar water was booze. Right. And so people actually started flooding to Cuba after the prohibition. And I think that's where a lot of this connection ties come in to the mob staying to be there. Cause you said called it the sugar mafia earlier. Well, when the, when the, when the prohibition happened, people were flooding here. And so you got the Atlantic city conference. Um, and yeah, so it was just like, here's the hotel. It's got the couple bell towers just to pay homage, you know, to. I'm curious about like some of the organizations present. Yeah. So um, here. The, uh, look at those tiny, fucking. Look at those nicknames. Socks and Lucky. What the fuck? Jimmy <laughs> uh, two times. Arnold the Big Bankrolled Rothstein. Look at that. What kind of fucking names are those? After the murder at? of Arnold Rothstein. Have you guys ever watched uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire? No. Oh, it's all about bit. the. It's, it's all they, about. They cover this one of the. Seasons. All about these characters, yeah. And, and oh, by the really? way, um, you just said socks and lucky. I, I don't know why this stuck out, but uh, Bill Clinton had a um, a pet called Socks, and Ronald Reagan had a pet called Lucky while they were in the White House. Huh. Nice. Call. Nice. Oh, I bet there's a huge theme there to flush out. So I, I got to spit something out Florida wise because this is supposed to be the Florida man show. And I had, I got some, some deep stuff that we're not going to be able to get deep into, but I would just want to rapid fire some of it off. Yeah. So I know we, everyone's we been loving like Henry Flagler, but there was another Flagler that took over the South version of Florida. And this what? is a guy named Baron Collier. And if anyone knows about Collier County, in South Florida, it's probably like the richest county in the entire state. Um, especially if you look at like the off the books money, you know, per capita, they got like multiple, um, uh, Rich Carlton hotels and they've got a place called Port Royal where like every single house is, you know, it's, it's insane. But this guy, Baron Collier, he came down around like the early 1900s as well. He was like a millionaire from selling advertisements for something called the Sun Vapor, uh, rail company. And he comes to South Florida and just like Flagler is going from, you know, one coast to the other coast, Collier's thinking, well, I can go from Miami up to Tampa. And he was part of um, establishing the Tamiami Trail. And through this, he also became the largest landowner in all of Florida. He bought um, hundreds and hundreds of acres for like 25 cents per acre or something like insane like this. And he essentially takes over this entire, you know, millions. Florida. Yeah, and, and today, I mean, Collier County again, and some other really uh, crazy stuff about this. So um, Collier County was built on a, an area called Indian Hill, which mm-hmm. was also called Collier Mound. And there's all sorts of like ancient uh, Indian burial grounds. And those Indians came, basically came from Cuba. There were like Spanish Cuban Indians where they came and, you know, established everything. Um, also the, the family, the Collier family started on a little Island called Yusepa, I think it's called. Um, and it's right outside of Fort Myers 
And Yusepa Island was also used as a CIA training grounds for the Bay of Pigs invasion. <laughs> That's where the CIA actually sent all their guys before they went directly to Cuba. And then the last no. one, which is totally out of left field, but when you drive down the, the highway, right, you've got the, the center line, but you also have the lines on the sides of the highways. No one really knows this, but Baron Collier essentially is credited with uh, creating those sidelines on the highway, which are now ubiquitous across, you know, the entire nation. Um, this is all this one guy, Baron Collier, who is like the unknown, way richer version of Flagler. He w- he was uh, a sawmaker's heir. I mean, no, no, no. He w- richer, richer in like in like a business sense. Flagler had you know yeah. like a few money from you know all f- from the day to end, but Baron Collier to this day. Um, the Collier family, like it's just exudes money. Like they just print money because of just real estate and advertising. And like we were mentioning before, like, um, you know, selling Florida as this like mirage, this, this huge illusion. He was right there yeah. with Flagler. He got his start in wanting to start like really nice luxury hotels, uh, in a place where they didn't even exist. So yeah, Baron mm. Collier and Flagler were like two peas in a pod. Yeah, and, and wow. he was an heir of a saw uh, company. Like he, his thing was saw. And when I think of saws, is like Hecate, you know, axes and shit, cutting, sawing, you know. Oh, so, okay. but yeah, the government would accredit them acreage the more uh, railroad they would build, but they had a certain deadline. And for every mile of railroad, they would give you, you know, 10,000 acres. So these robber barons that were making these fucking uh, railroads, they were getting all these credits from the government in land and acreage because they're like, hey, you're helping develop. We're going to give you a little something. And by the time they were done, they own millions and millions and millions of acres here in Florida. And uh, yeah, that was one of the guys. And he ended up selling it for like pennies on the dollar uh, after the fact. Cause it was like a really, they were like, they went through the Evergoods are like, dude, there's no way we can fill all this in. It's like, damn. It's like, so we can't use it. Yeah. It's unusable, bro. So he had like, he went like pretty much bankrupt. I think he shot himself in the head. Actually. Um, cool. One of the guys, one of the guys, I think I mentioned on the last episode, one of the guys that helped establish that owned, I don't know if it was him, but one of them did shoot themselves in the head because of a bad deal that had gone wrong. I'm not sure if it's Collier, if he was the one that killed himself, but there was one of one of the guys that owned a lot of land who yeah. ended up offing himself. So, But I really just got to point out the liar in that name, Collier. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't call him no liar. You can shoot yourself <laughs> in the head. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's uh that's insane dude florida is so rich i mean you know if you guys haven't noticed by now that the tax the tax write-off situation for corporations and businesses and uh it's also a very matriarchal state too i mean it's it's in favor a lot more of women's right uh mother's rights when it comes to at least family stuff so it's such an interesting place, man. Like it's so interesting. And it's, I mean, it's just got so much mysticism going on with it. Just right off, right off the bat. Yep. And we have, by the way, uh, Collier also helped found the Boy Scouts of America. Oh Mm. shit. Oh shit. Oh, he's a Rosen group for sure. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to me Again. is that so little people know the name of Baron Collier 
Uh, that was the high. That was the name of the high school that I went to. So like, it's baked in the back of my head forever. I went to Baron Collier High School. So, damn, BCH. Yeah, all over my town, we have like a Collier Creek and a Collier. You know, it's like there's little labels. He, all he was over. the biggest landowner in all of Florida from 1911 to like 1940 something or other. Um, when he was around with Flagler. And it was just because he died and left the, the land to all his family, so it got dispersed. So now it's not just one Collier, but I believe the Collier family in general might still be one of the biggest landowners in the entire state. He was, that's the same time as Henry Flagler being, so they were boys. Like they were, yeah, they were I'm, I'm saying when I say there are two peas in a pod, bro, like one of them was like, I take that side, you take that side, you know? Uh, such a trip dude okay so we're, we're getting here this three hours here well, what's really going on like why what do I, how do we how do we how do we uh uh tape taper off this explosion that we've <clears throat> created how do we i'm from the land of wildfires over here man you know we got to make sure that this shit don't get too crazy out of control how do we get this <laughs> i was thinking i would just play play us out with a song called voodoo by the Alchemist from the 2015 album Retarded Alligator Beats. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Illuminati confirmed. Up. Jennifer Brewster. I mean, I we should have closing thoughts, nice but, uh, you know, I think that's the way to really end it is with uh, Retarded Alligator Beats by the Alchemist. That's almost your Eddie Bravo face. <laughs> nice nice yeah, we, didn't even, we didn't even talk about Scientology over there in Tampa with the clear water and the uh, how clear is street slang for crack and it's Scientology yep. slang for you got no soul so you're ready for a demonic download we didn't even get into that I was thinking ambrosia baby Mhm mhm. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, uh I guess we could just recommend if anybody is uh so inclined or tempted, you know, check out that that project we did over on one on one. Uh what episode was that one? 80 80 86 I don't remember. I'll look for it. But also we have Alligator Alley too here in Florida by the way, yeah. which is the Tamiami Trail, so we have uh that connection with right. Bear in there. Making the alligator that, alley. Did you say that's like right in the up the middle or through the middle of the state somehow? Yeah. So c- finish the dick on Florida. That's where it's at. Yeah. Okay. That's the head. Wow. <laughs> Very much like it's the centerpiece of the room when they hang it up in the in the. Uh, and you hang the gator from it. Yeah. And it's our AA. It's our poles. AA. So wasn't that the 11. sign for for Crowley's fucking. Uh, uh, like the tri- the two triangles. For yeah, that's Crowley's. the Salima. That's the six points again. The six points yeah. of Kevin Bacon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I re-listened to that today. But uh, it's also the Merkaba and also the Star of David. So it yeah. has a lot of weight to have the six-pointed star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. And uh, are we still going to go in on uh, um, Jekyll Island? Is that on the on the roster? One of these days? Yeah, we're going to have to do this again because this is too much. Yeah, yeah, I like the Florida team. We don't even have to stick to talking about Florida. <laughs> I mean, we did into this time. We got into so much John D stuff, too. You guys were great. Thanks for coming on my show. <laughs> this was fun for me. Yeah, this is great. We'll have to do it again. And 
Uh, I'm going to be doing a deep dive on John D here soon. So that's why I've been obsessed with John D for the last few weeks and I'm learning a lot. So it ties into, I think it ties into a little bit of everything. So that's why I brought it up. Glad I did. I can't wait to use the word penny trashing. (laughs) Penny trashing. (laughs) That's my new word from today. Thank you so much, homie. (laughs) Penny trashing. (laughs) Trash the pennies. So you guys know what to do, right? Uh, draw, sign off with some plugs for all the things. Go around clockwise, starting with you, Gaby. Yeah, man. Slick Dissident, YouTube. Come check it. Also, uh, Weaving Spiders Webs, uh, Saturdays. And as soon as we get done here, uh, Weaving Spiders Webs fires up for the flow state. Come check it. Damn. <laughs> here I am, uh, Paranoid American, paranoidamerican.com. Uh, I also have a... A series with Juan you can check out at occultbookclub.com that'll go straight to the the video series and a uh, happy birthday to my boy John D and I want to throw out too I'm, I'm currently working on a comic book about John D and Edward Kelly that maybe will be done by the end of this year that you guys are like it's it's too spicy to uh to share though He's a I'm kidding. So, uh, yeah, check out the Occult Book Club if you want to hear about Jesus' vagina. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, we're digging into that type of shit. So, at the One One Podcast, everywhere, find me on there. And I'm so serious, Gabe. Don't laugh, bro. This is esoteric shit, bro. You gotta. It's the wound, bro. The wound, the wound is actually. Dog. It's the it's the feminine. It's the yeah, no. it's the pussy. So. <laughs> I want to jump in on the plugs right here. And uh, if you guys remember from last week's Vibrant, we were talking to Lindsay Sharman from Rogueways about her book, Phytalis, Sign Curve of Aeons. I'm dropping this link in the chat. That book is now out and available as an, as an audio book if anybody wants to hear me narrate an awesome novel to them. Nice. Oh, fuck yeah. Swoop that up. Do it, please. You support me and Lindsay by doing that, so that's pretty cool. And if you've never done Audible before, you can get it for free as your sample book. Oh, nice. Roman? All right, so Tom um, Thomas, hit us with some uh, plugs there, buddy. I'll I'll double down. ParanoidAmerican.com. <laughs> oh, did you already go? Sorry. Paste and shit. My attention span is running low. It's Romy's and, turn. It's Romy's and, turn. And let me just throw out too. We got the uh the chosen one comic book just oh, yes. we hit like two hundred and fifty percent funding on Kickstarter. So look out for that. It's gonna be in a yeah. couple actual comic shops and a few places across the country. So rad. We'll have some other places where you can get it. Super good. Yeah, That's replug that. Uh, replug that fund that GoFundMe uh, link again, man. You got to keep because my attention span is also short. It, oh, it, it ended this it. morning, yeah, but but it, it, we killed it. Two hundred and fifty percent funded. Fuck yeah, dude! Congrats, lost Sean's whole nod. From over here in California, the other side of the pillar, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, it's been fucking great. Um, if uh, I, I wanted to read this weird thing, but I'm not going to. But I will say that I uh, if, found- unless it's like hella long, you should just do what you feel felt like doing. <laughs> 
Okay, uh, but Crowley has always been interested in magic's potential to turn man into godlike creature, spirit becoming flesh rather than the other way around. To him, it was the height of arrogance to believe that man was the last word in evolution. In 1909, Crowley went to North Africa to for- perform a series of occult rituals in the Sahara using a manuscript once owned by John Dee, the 16th century mathematician. And why I wanted to read that before this one other weird thing, because I couldn't find any other stuff. Um, A few months into my psychiatric training, I went to the emergency room to see Mr. X, an agitated, terrified man from North Birmingham. His chief complaint, a dog had warned him his neighbor actually was a boco plotting capture his half soul. He called it the T-Bone Ange and seal it up in a bottle. Okay, so the T-Bone... The T-Bone Ange, or the T-Bone Ange, whatever, the T-Bone Ange, um, is this this uh, idea in the theology of Vodun, right? The original Vodou of Africa. And it reminded me of the Globus Cruciger, because I've been trying to find out what is inside the Globus Cruciger. It's part of my serious, you know, magnum opus life work of the antiquated transhumanism stuff that I do. And I'm like, what is, what is the, what is in there, man? Is a placenta juice? Is it, is it ambrosia? What the fuck is this shit? And, um, but in Vodun, they have this bottle that carries around the half soul because they believe that there's separate layers of the soul. And like, there's the whole concept of zombies, right? And the whole tie between voodoo and zombies is that there's this period, there's a short chunk of time that during the dying, cause dying isn't a quick process. It actually takes time. And so there's a period of time that the soul itself is leaving and that can actually be taken and then manipulated on a, on a spiritual alchemical sense. Right. And so there's this bottle called the T-Balanage that they could, someone could suck it up if they want and they have it in a bottle and they put it in their chest and they fly away on their fucking broomstick, you know, cause they're like, ah, I got your soul, but it could be in the Globus Cruciger and they keep it with a crown <laughs> and shit to be like, Hey bro, I got souls in my, I got souls in here and I can vibrate like a God with my chemical crown and scepter. And anyways, I wanted to find the connection between John D and voodoo and the black magic being flipped on a thing from being actual African magic to what the Western esoterics fucks call it. The connection anyway, started alligators. And then, yes. And, and then the I dream a genie. She was in a bottle and that takes place in Florida. Hit For the real? button one. Yeah, it's like China, it's China, 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 China. That works. Illuminati China. confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was on the wrong page. <laughs> that was a nice last second weave. Holy shit. Oh, shit. That's yeah, crazy. that story was fucking wild. All right. All right. Bug, bug from the ashes. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, baby, right from the ashes. I hear good stuff about your Norse mythology episode that just dropped. Norse Mythology Month this month. The first one with Raven Volsen is amazing, dude. He we had him on originally for his abduction story, but um, and now I believe it even a hundredfold because the amount of information this guy's able to hold in his head. I'm like, you had to have been tapped into some sort of celestial code by these these um <clears throat> these these you know vib- vibrational Lizard beings people. that uh, dude. It was. <sighs> 
I, I, I suggest, you know, get Craven on if you guys want. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk business afterwards. But, yeah, Rise from the Ashes, we do monthly themes. This month is Norse mythologies and runes, but alternative and esoteric. Very you good. Can find me at Project Cheney everywhere and Cheney in Wonderland with underscores in between it on Instagram. Oh, message yeah. me back, Cheney. Message me back. You haven't messaged me back. I totally will. <laughs> now I'm like, oh my gosh, is it? <laughs> I try to organize everything so good too. <laughs> All right, fam, I'm going to hit the music. We're going to check it. out these retarded alligator beats. I don't even know what this song consists of. Like this would be completely new to me. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. This was super fun. Love this crew. We'll do it again. We, we need a name for this particular team, the Florida team. Yeah, the so alligator cool. alley adjacent flow riders, flow riders, flow riders. I like flag plant and flow riders. I boil peanuts. <laughs> gold death bins, man. The windows roll down the inside. Russell, man. Russell, you want to tell a dream, man? Two of the flyest girls you ever want to see, man. I am my own religion, you can wear me on your neck I might take a shit and wipe my ass with a rap check The captain, because I lead by example Alone smoking wax in a room full of candles Haitian lady poke the thigh with the needle Hey yo, the bitch kind of resemble Don Cheadle I'm like a blind seagull Twisting woolies in my eyes, regal Drinking Parmesan, watching Home Alone Even when I mow the lawn, I always hold the throne Cause they come from out of nowhere, try to pull your cord They flee off in a bluish Ford Put two in the door, never ruin the board. Uh, Running the tunnels from the two in the four train in broad day. Yeah. It's silly rabbit rounds of foreplay. Yeah. I cop a 50 bag with short chains. Yeah. You can see my mind's reflection in the sport range. Shit is photo. Started raining out of nowhere. I let the flare off. It almost burned my fucking hair off. Science forbid. Jamaican girls be eyeing the kid. She weighed 275. She could have played the D line. For the bangles, we dance the tangle tango. I sing a jingle, now the beam is slam like curved angle. Curse out the window at a cut to try to cut me off. I hit a window with a fried rice and duck sauce. It's photo. Your doodle. Stash the acid in the asshole of a German poodle. Uh, sacrifice the motherfucking chicken. It's photo. Now I want you to set up right here. I want you behind the garbage where? Wait for my instructions. You understand me or not? So what I'm saying is the armor truck arrives about seven sharp. Wear the dress and wear the wig. Like one state, then wait for my instructions. If you listen, we'll be skating through customs, eating muffins, tropical discussions. You can see your reflection up in my Dunkins. Should I go nuts? And I'm not fat, I'm only robust. Crash the Jeep into your crib until it blows up. Uh, till it blows up. Crash the Jeep into your crib until it blows up. Uh, motherfucker, till it blows up. It's voodoo.